KUFO Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. It is two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101, KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. It is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to uh, be part of today's show. 503-228-4101, or you can text if you like at 520 520- Five one five two zero five one, and uh, you can email it's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah Dillon can be reached at Sarah at KUFO.com. Tim Riley is at uh, Tim at KUFO.com, or Greg Nibbler is at N-I-B-L-E-R. That is uh, Nibbler at KUFO.com. Coming up later on today, Mike Thomas, who's uh, written a brand new book about Second City, which sort of lives in the shadow of SNL, at least uh, in America, but is uh, a pretty stunningly groundbreaking uh, the home of comedy and generated, I don't know, about 98% of the people uh, who have amused you one form or another in your life. So we'll talk to Mike Thomas about that later on. Ryan White from The Oregonian will be with us. We'll do today's top five as well. And a uh, pair of passes for you to go to Fright Town. Coming up at uh, some point later on today, sometime between 9 o'clock. Also, um, Snuff Watch on the way today. Geek Watch on the way. And I did finally watch Sunday night's episode of Mad Men. I mean, it's only Wednesday. But I finally got it done. Jesus, you want to talk about a show that just finds new and terrible ways to put you into a state of abject gloom every single week. Every time I think that that program has run out of ways to make me feel awkward or bad, uh, or just uh, the, the bleak and gray... They break brand new ground in that regard, so... It's the best way to start off the rainy season. Seriously. I was just sitting there last night about halfway through and just I just wanted to hang myself. So, I mean, not that it's not great and all, but boy, howdy. And then I give up. It's uh, 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Also, somewhere between now and 9 o'clock, we'll have a copy of the uncensored, unauthorized history of The Simpsons. A uh, brand new hardcover book uh, that you uh, it really ought to be reading. So we'll give that away at some point before the end of the show. And uh, seeing a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, will tell us what it's like to have swine flu. It's 503-228-4101. We are uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. It was a cold, cold, cold bike ride. Yes, morning. but you've got your new bike seat on. It looks so cool. Now it looks like I'm riding like a fake vintage scooter because uh, it makes it look so nice. I didn't get a chance to uh, to go look at it. So this oh. is the thing that I... I was going to say that I got it for you for your birthday, but I really didn't. I mean, I just clicked the button that said buy here. I mean, you'd already sent me the link uh, and everything, but did you have to put that on yourself or were you able to, I put uh, it on myself. I was very proud of myself. I, t- I disassembled my seat and took off the old cover and then, uh, yeah, put this one all on by myself. Just by the fact that there are all these creepy construction workers who um, were working next to me who kept offering to help me. I'm like, it's okay. You need I'm some help it. with your seat? <laughs> no, I was so proud of myself. So I got it all on and then uh, went for a bike ride yesterday during, you know, that, that you know, did, you, did your power go out? No. 
Oh, mine did. Yeah, during this like that crazy windstorm, it felt like it was the apocalypse, and I had my new bike seat on, and like going you know like thirty miles an hour through these like tearing through these neighborhoods, it's like branches are falling off trees and stuff. It was kind of amazing. Are you wearing one glove? Oh yeah. Okay. Right, take off the other. Just one. just checking, making sure that I'm not hallucinating things. All right. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Oh, also, uh, uh, they're selling the hair of a dead celebrity, and it's not Michael Jackson. Let me restate that. They are selling Michael Jackson's hair. I was going to say, I they are. They were. But in addition, they are selling the hair of another dead celebrity. Uh, so we'll have that here in just a bit. It's 503 228 4101. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 505. Already the forecast today, high stereo 60. Yes, it's true. Power is still being restored to thousands around Portland after several trees were blown down yesterday. So depending on where you are, the storm was either good or bad. A 19-year-old man is recovering following a gang-related shooting in a yard at Northeast Alberta and Prescott. Just four blocks from King Elementary School, the tank is still investigating. They know those, without, those who have information will gladly come forward. Of course, Tim. People can't wait to volunteer information about gang crime. Mm-mm. Cat burglars are applying their trade in 19 break-ins in Kenton St. Johnson University Park. These are brazen daytime break-ins with the targeted items being laptops, digital cameras, and cell phones. A Jeep has plowed through an Oregon City apartment complex. Cops say the driver may have been intoxicated and tried to drive away. Cops threatened to use the stun gun on driver Kevin Pleagle. If he didn't come out peacefully, he did. Luckily, nobody was home at the time. California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife was caught on camera violating the state's no cell phone while driving law. TMZ has posted the video online showing first Lady Maria talked on a cell phone while driving a luxurious SUV in a wealthy Brentwood sanction of Los Angeles. Uh, Schwarzenegger apparently sent TMZ's Harvey Levin a note saying there will be... Swift action on that. There will be repercussions on the home front. I think it's actually twice that she's been busted doing that. I think the first time it was the law had just gone into effect and they, you know, they said, well, people are still adjusting to these new regulations. And then they just caught her again like the day before yesterday. Well, she's always had an attitude problem. I met her many years ago. Really? Yeah, she didn't uh, like being part of the Kennedy clan being forced to campaign. She was very vocal about that, but I was standing right next to her. She didn't like being made to go out on the uh, on the trail and actually do some quasi work somewhere. No, no, like a good woman should. Well, Caesar's who, wife, part of a must political be a, dynasty. She must be above reproach. Also, this uh, let's see, Maria Shriver's cell phone. I had two other things. Oh, it, one. Have you done this? Have you actually been in Vancouver and found yourself on your cell phone and then realized? Like, you've had to remind yourself that you could actually get busted for that. When we were doing the survive it and drive it thing, I would be on my way either there or home, and I would actually, I don't even know what would really prompt it, but I would sort of remember that they can pull that's a first offense, I think. In other words, that's a primary offense in Vancouver. So if you were driving on the cell phone, they can actually pull you over just for that. It's not like it's not like some uh, the seatbelt jive where they need some other read like they have to you know find some other excuse to pull you over and then they nail you for that. I think if the man sees you on a cell phone in Vancouver, they can actually pull you over and ticket you just for doing that. Are you sure? I thought it was a secondary offense. Uh, I don't know. That's what I'm, I'd always heard. I don't know. Somebody will clarify it for us. Vancouver but, and Clark County could use that extra revenue right now. That's right, Tim. Well, but you know, eleven percent unemployment. One must gather ye rosebuds while you may, but and where. But I always assume that if something is a secondary offense, like talking on a cell phone, or if you have, um, if you don't have your seatbelt on, or I think, I think having your turn 
signal out is a secondary offense as opposed to like having a headlight out. But I just sort of kind of take it as an article of faith that if that's the case, they'll just find a reason to pull you over. I mean, they, they, they you know, they will come up with some sort of primary offense uh, to pull you on the side of the road. Lastly, when you mentioned that she was busted driving in Brentwood, that she got caught on camera there, doesn't it seem like Brentwood is one of those things like RJR Tobacco or something that should have changed their name to something else by now? Because everybody just thinks of of, of O.J. Simpson. At least I do. I mean, oh, the say, Mommy Dearest house is there. <laughs> so it's nothing but good memories. It's nothing but positive associations with Brentwood. You would just think it would be one of those places th- that would have just, uh, they would have changed their name to something else. Like, you're not, are we not supposed to say South Central Los Angeles? I guess it's South Los Angeles. They have not, they've just changed it to South Los Angeles because South Central Los Angeles has... Because that is, that is of course, the most American way to deal with something where you don't actually uh, cure the root issue. You just sort of uh, you put a different uh, label on it. So South Central Los Angeles. Now, South Los Angeles. Brentwood uh, you know, will undoubtedly be given a makeover at some point so you're not just thinking about the uh, slow speed at Bronco Chase. Probably not. It's not that easy to find. I mean, when you're driving around in L.A., you really have to go out of your way to get to Brentwood. Hey, is that one of those places that I could that I could actually just drive through? In other words, oh, yeah. so it's not like um, it's not like a lot of those places in L.A. where it's up like a winding path that is shielded from the public view. Oh, you're thinking of Bel Air. Well, I'm also I'm thinking of Sharon Tate's house, which I tried to see at one point, and they of course you did. They made it very difficult to see Sharon Tate's house. It was, it, was, it was almost like they don't appreciate the tourist value of that thing. Well, even people who live in those hills are still par- paranoid after all these years. Oh yeah, no. Like, like, one of my jobs was to be a security guard when I lived there, be a security guard of the swimming pool area of a rich person, and my job was to walk around the pool area and even shine the light into the pool. Really. All night long while they slept. And I never saw the owner of the house. I just saw his shadow behind the curtains. <laughs> really? Was he, was he pacing back and forth in his mother's house coat? Pretty much. All right. Uh, it's 503. I like the idea that you worked for Robin Masters or something. That you never saw the owner of the no. house. How were you paid? Well, I was paid by the security firm. I never saw the guy. I just saw his shadow all night long. He'd stay up all night. And my job was to keep shining the flashlight into the pool and make sure there was nobody in there. Why did you have to shine the flashlight into the pool? The, if guy he was, was, the guy was paranoid that there would be somebody hiding in the pool to kill him. But he was awake. Correct. In other words, it's not like there was he somebody... He felt better that he had a guard shining a light in the pool below him and he could look out the window and see it. God, the people are, I don't understand people sometimes. Not you, you understand. I'm just saying the guy in the it window... It was a good job. It was a nice yard. Nothing ever happened there. Do you think it was somebody famous? Yeah. Do you have any idea who it might have no. been? Uh, all right. Not even a clue? Not even mm-hmm. a suspicion at all. No. I like the idea that there was just a silhouette in a window who paid you now and again, but through an intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, hello, hi, you're uh, on the Rick Emerson show. How can I help you? Hey, I wanted to clarify the cell phone law. Yeah. It actually is a secondary law. They can't pull you over for it alone. They have to pull you over for something else, and then they can cite you for the cell phone. The seatbelt law, that's a primary. They can pull you over for that alone and then get you on the cell phone. See, and that that makes even less sense to me because, not that I think there ought to be a seatbelt law either, but you've got to f- figure of the two of those, if you're going to make the case that one of them is actually an impediment to safe driving, it seems like it would be the cell phone thing. Whereas the seatbelt, you're really only effing yourself if you get into some sort of a, an accident there. Well, that's exactly the point. That's the reason that the seatbelt law is the primary, because you kill yourself with that one. And, you know, we can't have people killing themselves, but killing other people is okay. So talking on your cell phone, that's the secondary law. All right, excellent. And you uh, are you at now, is this something that you know because you live in Vancouver, or have you actually been, have you run afoul of this law? No, I actually live in Vancouver, and I, I drive for a living, so. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go.
Which means that I'm going to have to get, uh, like, one of those uh, Bluetooth things at some point. Because you know that that is, the, that is the sort of creeping law that will eventually come here. Because it starts in Vancouver, and then it, you know, then it kind of spreads everywhere like some sort of legalistic uh, kudzu. Yeah, so I'm I have, have one, to... but it's still in the box. You know, can, can I do, am I the only one that finds Bluetooth difficult to use? No, remember, we've had this conversation. I couldn't figure it out either. Because it doesn't seem like you ought to just be able to press the button and it works. And it never does. You have to do it in pairing mode. What is pairing mode? Just work. I just want to hit the on button and have the thing function properly. And, you know, and they've also gotten to the point where they will not sell you like a... I sound like an old guy now, but they will not sell you like... A, I am. I'm turning into a guy who uses the Jitterbug phone from Parade Magazine. Are you serious? Oh, Jesus, God. Because I was about to complain that they won't sell you a corded headset that I can just plug into my actual BlackBerry. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> and I need, a, I need a dial tone to understand when, when it's on. I was just about to, to, to bitch that they won't sell me something that actually has a cord that I can plug in. Greg is typing in the screen. They are that hard. It's not like I'm the dumbest guy on earth. It seems like if Sarah and I are both having difficulty using the thing, then maybe there is some sort of problem with the device itself. It's just like a colossal tool. Yeah, but that, well, that's the other thing, is you look like I an ass. Not I you, of course, specifically, it. Greg, but I'm just saying... No, I'm sure Greg looks rocking in his Bluetooth. Oh, I mean, no, I, I didn't say I use them. No, I find them obnoxious and annoying. I would never use it, but they aren't that hard to use. The <laughs> technology isn't that difficult. I, I'm it just, sounds like a Bluetooth user. I'm well, just saying for me... Have you ever seen me walk around with a Bluetooth? No. I don't know. You wear that hat over your ears. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, how could we really... How could we tell? You might have one inside your ear right now. I do talk to myself a lot in here, too. All right. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up later on this morning, we have Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. Uh, also, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will tell us about having the swine flu. Ryan White from the Oregonian. Geek Watch, Snuff Watch, all of that on the way. You stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 so the headset is supposed to come with my blackberry I didn't get that. I think I got... Are you talking about, like, earphones? Or are you talking about, like, an actual headset? Yeah, a lot of people confuse... Uh, Blackberry comes with, like, a set of earphones to listen to music and stuff, too. And yeah, the earphones seem like an outdated phrase. Yes. And I hate saying earbuds. I won't say that. Earbuds sounds like a skin tag you have to get removed to the dermatologist. I know. I just got my first pair of them. They're weird. Uh, they're, they're, I just... That phrase bugs me for some reason. I don't You know what it is? It's that I don't like the word buds. B-U-D-S. There's, I, uh, that's a word that I find very off-putting. It's kind of like uh, panties. I'm not, which I hate to always use as the, as the comparison, but that's the only other agreed-upon word on the show that we don't like, right? Is there any other word that you and I both come up with uh, that we dislike just for reasons that moist? aren't... Moist? See, but, but then you have to say buds and panties and moist together, and then it's just... Ew. it's just See, but that's that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's, uh, it's unpleasant. I don't like to do that. Dander. That's right. Greg doesn't like the word dander, but that's just you because you're crazy. That really? doesn't uh, that doesn't bother anybody else. I hate that word. The word did. I mean, is it just the way that it sounds? Dander or is just it, sounds kind of like dandy. No, it, no. Is it, it <laughs> is it what it represents, or is it the actual sound of the word? It's both of it, but I suppose it's more what it represents. But I, it, it's bo- all of the above. Yeah, I can't stand that word. What about a, ru- a word that rhymes with dander, like gander? No, that's okay. All right. Well, okay. 
503-228-4101. What about the... Um, see, I can't think of anything else that rhymes with dander. There's really just that. Pander. Pander. What about pander? Not nah, pander's okay. So it's just that it is... I, maybe it is. Maybe it's more the connotation of what it actually is. What if you found out it meant something else? What if you found out that dander was just a type of grass? Uh, it's too late. It's already ingrained. <laughs> it's sailed. never going to change. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from CNN Radio New York, our good friend uh, Steve Kastenbaum joining us on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Steve. How are you on this fine Wednesday morning? I'm doing well. Thank you. Is there a word that bothers you, not because of what it means necessarily, it's just uh, the, sort of the linguistic sound of it? Um, you know, over the years I've had, you know, words that uh, people would, you know, be using a lot. You know, they'd become fashionable to use, and then I would really dislike them, but I can't recall them now. Is there something about the, referring to those sort of in-ear hearing devices as earbuds just that drives me up the wall? I think it's because my first exposure to the word buds was my grandmother, who had... This old-ass, like, stale box of brand buds that would sit on the uh, the top shelf of her cupboard in her home. And so I would go to visit my grandmother, and I would open the cupboard vainly looking for some sort of food that wasn't like a creepy old person food. And all I would ever find was this one box of brand buds that I swear to God sat there for like 12 years untouched. It's, it's like she wouldn't throw it away, but she wouldn't actually eat it. And it sat there, and I, I think I just sort of realized over time that it was probably becoming older and staler and more and more moldy. And plus, it was a weird-looking cereal anyway. Um, and so as a result, I had a negative connotation with that word early on. And then every very, like every time I heard that word used for the next five or six years, it was always with something sort of creeping. As a result, it just uh, it bothers me. Earphones, though, make it sound like you're wearing the big 1970s things. Uh, you know, like like you're listening to a Gordon Lightfoot album or something. Well, I call it, well, aren't they really headphones? Don't you call them that? Even though they're for your ears? See, but that's the thing. Headphones, though, make it sound like you've got the big uh, the recording studio things that are, that are massive, you know, like you're going like to sit at home with your brand new Doobie Brothers box set or something. How about your cans? Cans. Cans, I think, is good, but that's only, that only works if, you're, if you work in broadcasting somehow, because otherwise you sound like a guy who's trying to be a, like some sort of a studio hepcat. You yeah. sound like a guy who's going to be uh, going to rock out in the studio with uh, Jimmy and Janice later on this afternoon. Yeah, go, go in the studio too and put on the cans, and we'll get the track rolling. <laughs> right, that's a, that's totally what it, you sound like. Uh, you sound like what's his name? You sound like Mark Wahlberg in Boogie Nights. Uh, you know, who's about to go into the studio with uh, with Michael Penn. <laughs> All right. Well, in any event, you've been. Can I ask you this? Is there some sort of illness sweeping through CNN that you'd like to talk to us about? Because there's been no one. Working at CNN for the last like week, two weeks, three weeks. You all have been uh, gone for the better part of this month. I was on vacation last week. All right. Yes, but you know, there is uh, an illness going around. Apparently, um, you know, uh, I've heard one person has swine flu, and uh, somebody else is sick with a respiratory thing, but not swine flu. Yeah. When you say one person has swine flu at CNN, does that person's name rhyme with Hisa Hajarjan? <laughs> no, actually, Dan Zimitovich. Oh. oh, well, never. Dan Zimitovich has swine flu? Yeah. I say, talking about a guy that nobody in the audience knows. But that is a guy that Sarah uh, speaks with in the morning who helps to sort of book uh, live appearances from like CNN everyone's folks. Everyone's been knocked out by that because they used to talk to Mike, and then Mike was knocked out sick, and now, then I was talking to Dan, and Dan is yeah. now gone. And I should say, by the way, uh, that Lisa does have swine flu, or did. I think she might be back on the clock as of today, but uh, she and her husband were both laid low oh, uh, by that dread disease over the, over the weekend. After handily. Uh, flying through, I think, three different airports and spending some time at the U.S. Senate. So should your entire system of government break down at some point in the near future, you uh, you know exactly where the blame for that uh, should go. And I hear that it is the absolute worst, like, illness experience you, could, you can have. It's just 
awful. The only person I know here in Portland who got the swine flu said that it sucked. He was uh, our friend uh, Dave Walker here in Portland got it. He said he was sick for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight days, which isn't like the worst thing on earth. But, I mean, who wants to be sick for eight days? I mean, that just sounds, uh, it sounds unpleasant at the extreme. By the way, I looked into the swine flu vaccine or with the spray or whatever it is they give you here, right. and I found out that that's not going to be available for anybody in Portland for another 10 days. Yeah, it's not going to be available for a little while uh, in mass in mass quantities. So I'm, like, incessantly, you know, using the hand sanitizer. You know, they have them placed all around the building now, and, and there's one, like, outside the break room near near the radio booth, and I'm like... Just, just for the heck of it, every time I walk by, I'm, I'm re-sanitizing my hands. Hey, I wonder if I should be uh, investing in, in sort of sanit- sanitization, sanitizing, if I should be investing in companies that make things for compulsive germ-phobes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I find the company that makes like Purell or Lysol or like any sort of handy wipe or cleaning product or maybe rubber gloves, seems like uh, there ought to be some... Like maybe, uh, like maybe some sort of um, like a germaphobe slash swine flu mutual fund that would put me heavily into obsessive cleaning uh, the markets. Yeah, but that fund would you know have a short lifespan, so you'd have to get in and out really quickly. You'd have to be watching it every day. Well, I suppose, but I mean, it's like uh, you know, you know, there's there's something to be said for a short term gain. All right. Yeah, well, true. In any event, hey, is it true that they're gonna uh, they're gonna fork over like another I don't know eight or ten grand or something for uh, the people who are buying brand new houses? And doesn't that seem like a bad idea? Well, uh, there's a tax credit out there now, and lawmakers are considering expanding it uh, beyond its November 30th deadline uh, when it'll uh, run out. You know, they they want uh, you to be able to get uh, eight thousand dollars if you're a first time home buyer or and or haven't owned a home in in three years. And make below $75,000 if you're single, $150,000 if you're joint filers. And uh, this tax credit expires on November 30th. And a lot of lawmakers would like to expand it, uh, but I'm not sure how long. You know, there's a lot of talk about maybe a couple of years because they fear that uh, the plunging housing prices will dip even further if this tax credit disappears. Well, far be it for me to, to uh, impede the great American uh, dream and its attainment by the masses. But, I mean, I have no idea what the average house costs in America. In other words, if you were to take every single person who owns a house, add that all together into one big dollar amount, and then divide by the number of families, I don't know if the average house in this country costs 150 grand or 200 grand or 300 grand or $10. I, I have no idea. I mean, it's, it's, I would imagine that the average home cost in this country is what? Probably, what would you say, maybe 150 I mean, does that sound like a reasonable somewhere figure? Is that, is that way too, or is that too low? Uh, that's somewhere in there. I'm looking for it now. Tim is indicating, Tim, you believe that to be too low. Too low. What do you think the average home costs in America? I mean, just do all things being equal. Hold on, I'm looking for it. Let's see, median and average home sale. Oh, why is this pulling up a chart from 19? You know, the Internet has the answers to all of our questions. But sometimes it has the uh, the answers to too many questions. Or the answers to questions from 1971. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The, the median, as opposed to the average home uh, sale price, according, according to the U.S. Census, in August was 195200 bucks. The average... $256,800. All right, so let's say two hundred grand. So the average house in America costs two hundred grand. I mean, it doesn't. A, it doesn't seem like eight thousand dollars is going to help a lot. And B, if eight thousand dollars is really the make or break on buying a two hundred thousand dollar home, you ought to stay in an apartment for a few more years and maybe drive a cab at night. 
uh, I guess it depends on how much uh, you pay in taxes every year and what your tax bill is like. I mean, eight grand's nothing to... Nothing to sneeze at, as my grandfather would say. Yeah, yeah plus you're not, you know, unless you've got uh, some inheritance lying around, you're probably not paying that 200 grand up front, you know? Well, I suppose. Yeah. All right. On that note, go wash your hands five or 600 times, and whatever you do, don't think about how inefficient those sneeze guards probably are in the uh, CNN cafeteria. Don't. I got I to tell you, I, I'm probably burning off my fingerprints at this point. Yeah. <laughs> sort of abrading them away. Well, listen, you know, it's the New York City subway system. You know, you can catch anything down there. Yeah, but don't you think that your, that your immune system, just by dint of growing up in New York, spending your whole life in New York, in Brooklyn, that your immune system is probably just like case-hardened steel at this point. I mean, it's just, you are battle-tested and ready, sir. At this point, psychologically, every time I touch the pole in a subway, you know, in a car, a subway car, just to make sure I don't fall over, I, I'm just fretting about what germs are, are being transferred to me. <laughs> Touching the pole in the subway, he's Steve Kastenbaum. All right, uh, have a, a fantastic day, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Just fabulous. Are you needing to go get a cup of coffee? Yes, Rick, I need a cup of coffee. All right, excellent. Straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley, Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler, and uh, Ryan White from the Oregonian coming up. Stay right there. We're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Look, 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 like this. This is Rock 101. You, sir, I'm not going to amount to much. <laughs> KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at uh, 620, Mike Thomas is the uh, author of a new book about Second City, the uh, famous Second City comedy troupe from... Uh, Man, and I was looking at this... I don't know if you, uh, if, if you all have actually uh, ever stopped to list everybody that came out of Second City. Because, you know, SCTV made you know, a bit of an impact. You know, on American television, uh, especially, just, you know, sort of, the, the, I would say, you know, when I was maybe in my late teens, early 20s, I was sort of aware of that. But you take a look at the, at the people who came out of the Second City Comedy Troupe, that comedy theater, and it's, I mean, just working backward from now, where it's like Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, uh, Amy Sedaris, Chris Farley, Mike Myers, uh, you know, and, you know, then all the way back to guys like, you know, Bill Murray and the, and John Belushi. I mean, it's just astounding, actually. So this is sort of a companion book in a, in a, in a couple of ways to that, uh, SNL oral history that came out, uh, about a year and a half ago. So we're going to, uh, talk to Mike Thomas in the six o'clock hour, Ryan White for the Oregonian, seven o'clock, and, uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us at, uh, 820 to, uh, talk about living with swine flu. The guy just, uh, sent me an email about, I was mentioning Purell hand sanitizer. Guy sent me an email said that he just picked up. He, it wasn't Purell, but it was some sort of like a, like a store brand version of that. And you know that on the side of it now in big letters, it actually says, not for internal use. Please do not ingest or eat. So there you go. Undoubtedly some sort of an incident behind that. Final note, uh, I don't know if you all have seen this, but I'll put this up at uh, rickemerson.com. So January Jones, who plays Betty Draper on Mad Men. As a uh, pictorial in the, new, uh, in the new GQ. Is it pictorial or pictorial? I thought Either. it was pictorial. Am I, adding a, uh, am I adding a second I in there that doesn't belong? Am I just making that up? It doesn't matter. They're both long words, no matter how you say them. I suppose. I'll just sort of slur it. So, uh, so January Jones plays uh, uh, Betty Draper on Mad Men. It's a new pictorial in the uh, newest issue of GQ. And she's not really my type, but I have to say these are um, they're almost like fetish photos. 
I mean, she's really, she's wearing just a bunch of red and black, and it's a, like a lot of tight leather jackets and lace, and at once she appears to have been hit by a car. It looks as though she's laying in the street after being struck by a 1965 Plymouth, which is sort of hot in its way. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 545. Expect more rain today. High temperatures near 60. Speaking of photos, just moments ago, People Magazine on its website published the first current photo of kidnapping victim 29-year-old J.C. Dugard. Her family spokesman, Erica Schultz, said J.C. wanted to share the joy of her family reunion with all members of the public who have given her all this support all along. They understand that there's an intense interest in how she's doing, and people can't imagine what that ordeal must have been like. This is her way of thanking everyone for their support and really letting them know that she's doing okay. See, but don't you just instinctively disbelieve that? Yes. When they say that she's doing okay, it's like when they talk about, what's her uh, name, that Elizabeth Smart Chick in uh, in Salt Lake, or she was, you know, the, the Mormon girl, or a kid that out of her bedroom or whatever, and the guy, some Charles Manson guy kept her as a, as a this slave. How long was Elizabeth Smart gone? Was that years or was it just months? Years, years. Like, she was a little girl and now she's 29. Elizabeth Smart or J.C. Oh, no, Duggar? I was thinking of J.C. Duggar. So how long was that Elizabeth Smart chick gone for? That wasn't that long. But, I mean, it was But it was at least a year, right? I thought it was like 15 months or something like that. Yeah, See, at just, least that long. They all sort of drift together in my head. And then I confused them both with that girl whose name I've again forgotten from a few weeks ago where they just they just busted the guy. Um... It happened during the Survive It and Drive It thing. She were pointing him out in the paper. It's a guy that, like, stole the girl out of her bedroom or something while she was asleep right here in, uh, oh, in Portland. Yeah, uh, Brooke Wilberger? Maybe. See, I've already see, I've no, forgotten no, her was, name. She was outside polishing a car. All right, but the guy, guy kind of came and snatched her while she was, you know, just more or less from in public. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were talking about that J.C. Uh, Duggard girl, and I saw the photograph of her where I suppose she looks normal, but again, that's a still photograph. What the hell do I know? She does, um, she does look I mean, on the surface, to be okay, but you just got to believe that she's nuts. Uh, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but I... No, there's no such thing as a normal life after that. No, I mean, that's that's the thing. So it's... I, I mean, Patty Hearst disappeared off the face of the earth after she was found. I think about Patty Hearst all the time, actually. And I wonder... Sometimes I will just ask myself, this is not a lie, I will just... I'll be at home and just putting, like, just making a sandwich, and I will stop in the kitchen, and I will say to myself... I wonder what Patty Hearst is doing right I mean, now. I mean, you know, her uh, whatever fun she got from her family probably says you may not leave this home ever. Yeah, we will have people to get whatever you want. Yeah, you will but do not go out. You may go in the backyard <laughs> next to the barbed wire fence, <laughs> but you may not go shopping publicly. Steer clear of the alligator-filled moat, please. Thank you, Patty. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, we have a, a fatal accident in uh, Gresham. A passing driver noticed a crashing call nine one one at three twenty six this morning. Saying flames are coming from a vehicle when the emergency crews arrived, they say the man was dead at the scene. Uh, slick roads and speed contributing factors. Therefore, Southeast Stark is closed between Kane and McKinnis. Traffic is being rerouted through a grocery store parking lot. Well, Portland sidewalks must be cleared for the disabled to fall in line with the Americans for Disabilities Act. So who can be there? Let's see them enforce this. Campers, harassers, and drug dealers must get off the sidewalk immediately. Because they're in the way of the handicapped. However, apparently it's okay for the handicapped to come in contact with panhandlers and people taking naps. Wait, this is when? Where? What are you talking about? This is the new the new uh, proposed Portland sidewalk law. Is this because is this something to do with the guys who were camping on a front of City Hall yesterday or the day before? Or Not something? so much. This is part of the uh, National Disability Awareness Month. 
that's going on now. Uh, people from disabilities are uh, talking about their disabilities. Uh, for instance, a lot of uh, foot and mouth painters are out there this month. Foot and mouth painters? Yes. What? I don't. Nothing is making any sense. Have I gone crazy? Is this like that episode of The Twilight Zone where Robert Klein can't understand the English language there, anymore and they call, a, they call Dinosaurs Wednesday? Because this is National Disability Awareness Month. Foot and mouth paint. Oh, guys who with like a stick in their teeth who paint that Correct. way. Okay. With, with mouths and feet. Well, when you said foot and mouth painters, I immediately started thinking of, of anthrax and foot and mouth disease. No, no, no. And then when you said foot and mouth painters, the second time I was thinking of people who have their who have their mouths and feet painted. And I was thinking, well, why would you paint your well, mouth? Like body paint? I guess. Well, these are the good kind of foot and mouth people. Uh, for so they're they're highlighting how happy they are with their condition because it is Americans with Disability Awareness Month. Among them is artist Cindy Bernhard, who said she didn't do very much art before she became a, a quadriplegic, and now she's quite happy. We produce art, we submit it, and it is reproduced into holiday cards and greeting cards. In the spring, we have some cards that are birthday cards and blank cards. Are the cards advertised as being made by people with no legs? I mean, is that I guess really so. the big... They have a website for selling their foot and mouth cards. Does it... It's mfpa.usa.com. <laughs> foot and mouth cards. Oh, it's a perfect gift MFPA, for Christmas. MFPA, is it mouth foot something something? It must be. I mean, see, like, I would I would kind of yep, get with I that. I guess if, that's what it is. If MF, they... mouth, foot. I'm going PA, there. What would the PA be? I'm going there right there. Hold MFPA.USA. I bet it is. Hold on. MFPA.USA.com. USA.com. They have foot and mouth cards for I every mean, occasion. I would sort of go with that if they kind of... No, no, no. This says find cheap travel in the USA. That can't be right. MFPA.USA.com. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, this is a... Uh, this appears to be some sort of a spam site. This is, uh, this is my one-stop resource to traveling in the USA, so it claims. Well... Try foot and mouth. I mean, unless quadriplegics are really branching out in ways that I would only commend them for. All right. Well, we'll just try something else. If they kind of embraced that sort of zestfully, like if they, you know. Mouth cards. Like if that became like their real marketing shtick, you know, that they, uh, you know, painted with my tongue. Foot and mouth cards from Zazzle.com. Oh, that's a foot and mouth card. I'm sorry. No, why? No. Well, if they're quadriplegics, calling it a foot and mouth card seems inaccurate in a lot of ways. It seems like you can't even. I mean, it's, it, it seems like you can't even really get feet on ground at that point, much less in your mouth. What? Why are you able to go to the website, and then when I do it, it's, it's something trying to sell no, me stamps? It, it brings me to foot in mouth card, not foot and mouth card. Well, anyway, so it seems as though they're creating their own niche here with uh, cards made by the footless and handless. So they're very happy that they are because they didn't realize how talented they were when they were... Able to use their foot and mouth. Well, no, because when you're able to get out of the house, you don't... I mean, I think you're focusing on other things. I think when your options become limited, you really spend more time on the finite amount of things that uh, that one is able to pursue. How did we get to this from sidewalks? I, I Because lost... it is part of the Americans with Disabilities Month. Sidewalks. Right. They're, they're in the way of people in wheelchairs. People without people who paint <laughs> people with their, paint mouth with their mouth are in the are in no. the way of people in wheelchairs. No, no I'm confused. You know, for, steps B through Y mm-hmm. have become completely lost to me here. Well, this all started with the American with Disabilities Act week, and they're trying to make the, the sidewalks safer for them to be in wheelchairs. Oh, I see. Okay, so this is this is people who who m- must get off the sidewalk, right? Okay, to make way for people in wheelchairs. Who is allowed to be on the sidewalk in Portland? Panhandlers and, and nappers. <laughs> Really, nappers? Nap yeah. Actual nappers are allowed to sleep. You're allowed yeah. to sleep on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're allowed to sleep... These are the new rules that the mayor wants. Now it's everybody. So if you're allowed to sleep on the sidewalk, what are you not allowed to do? You are not allowed to camp on the sidewalk, harass, or sell drugs. All right, but you can. But if you're just going to get your snooze on, that's what's the difference between camping and sleeping? You know, I, I so, well, a nap is without a tent. I would imagine. I guess, and one must be for a protracted period of time. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. They're spending all these man and girl hours Seriously. trying to figure this out. It's a waste of time. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How can I help you? Hey, um, I got some information on you for the Elizabeth Smart thing. Uh huh. Um, she was actually gone two and a half years. Uh, the guy actually held her captive for two and a half years and actually found her walking down the street in Salt Lake City. Uh, so, wait, now, is this the thing where uh, the, she had gone to, like, some sort of, I don't know, like, she'd actually gone to, like, public events with him? This is Elizabeth Smart. Uh, and she'd shown up at, I don't know, like a gun... she around with him and his wife everywhere. And it was like a gun show or something. It was like some, uh, they went to some sort of, uh, you know, like an NRA thing. And they said, who's this? He goes, ah, it's my wife and uh, our daughter. And it, uh, and she was kind of brainwashed to the point that, uh, you know, that they were, they were able to sort of, you know, walk around and she she wouldn't run away or anything. So two and a half years. Two and a half years. Jesus. Oh, yeah, I found the uh, I found the website. They put a dot in the wrong place. It is mfpausa.com. Yeah. It All says, right. welcome to the Mouthfoot Artists <laughs> website. Right. Found, formed in 1956. It's that, an international nonprofit organization wholly owned and run by disabled artists to help them meet their financial needs. Members paint with brushes held in their mouths or feet as a result of a disability sustained at birth or through an accident or illness that prohibits them from using their hands. Now, when you say art, all right, uh, thank you. There's for the, a nice uh, a coastal painting on the front page. Thank you for the Elizabeth Smart clarification, sir. I appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. All right, thanks so much. It says, mouth painted by Brom Wilkstrom. Mouth painted? Mm -hmm. oh, okay, but again, painted with the mouth. Painted with the mouth. All right, let's just all take a moment. When you say mouth and foot artist, is this just painting, or is this, is this for artists of all over? Like, is this for the guy at my graduation ceremony who played the guitar, played green sleeves with his feet? This looks like just artists. Hey, and uh, by the way, confidential to the text messenger... Uh, who uh, it keeps uh, sending me this the, the guy and the guy who sends me our product. There's a guy who sent me multiple emails now that says it, it, in all caps with an escalating number of exclamation marks where it says it's Dave Thomas, not Mike Thomas. You want you might want to double check your sources before you figure out what you're talking about. Uh, confidential from me to you. You might want to uh, double check how you pronounce uh, the letters M I K E. That's actually Mike, not Dave. Isn't Dave Thomas the dead Wendy's guy? Says here yeah. right in the front of the book, mm -hmm. friend. I'm just uh, trying to get us to all pronounce words the same well, way. Well, there okay? are several foot mouth artists on here. At least a couple dozen. Three so, dozen. Let's take a break, shall we? It's 503-228-4101. Who can join? One, 101. The Rick Everson Show. Anyone who's lost the use of their hands and, and paints by holding a brush in their mouth Back is eligible to join. Stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show. KUFO Portland. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Thank you for joining us. By the way, uh, the uh, the guy who was uh, the guy who was sending me all the angry emails about it's Dave Thomas, not Mike Thomas. His his latest email. The subject line is just I suck. 
the body of this email says, I suck, wrong guy, I will go kill myself now. All right, thank you, sir. It's 503-228-4101. That's a problem that just sort of sorts itself out. 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, later on this hour, we will talk to... Mr. Mike Thomas, he is uh, the author of the book Second City Unscripted. I'm going to ask him, there's this great story that I think he addresses here about Bill Murray, who had just this legendary temper and uh, was, at least at that point, uh, kind of a serious drinker, and that I don't know if he still is or not. But I always heard the story that Bill Murray actually beat a heckler senseless, beat him nearly unconscious. And I'm going to find out that's true, because if so, that is one of the greatest things that's ever been done ever by anybody in any in any place. So we'll uh, talk to him later on this hour. Ryan White from the Oregonian here at 7 o'clock. And at 8.20, Lisa Desjardins discusses what it's like to have swine flu. Uh, Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines on your Wednesday morning. I am indeed, if I can find the right screen. Here are the headlines. Clark County's jobless numbers fall, but they are still substantial. Uh, two guys wanting to get out of a magazine selling ring are beaten with bats in a Tacoma motel room. And uh, invading giant snakes are threatening U.S. wilderness areas. Fantastic. Beware. Fantastic. All right. It's that time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. I'm Greg Nibbler. Let's talk balls. All right. The uh, baseball playoffs are going to be starting tomorrow. Uh, the uh, final four teams are worked out. It's going to be the Angels and the Yankees and the and Philadelphia and the Dodgers will be playing tomorrow night. So uh, we've got to root for Philadelphia in that so we don't have an all-L.A. or New York and L.A. type of uh, finals there. Um, Blazers. The Blazers are celebrating 40 years tonight by playing a game at Memorial Coliseum, the Glass Palace. And each quarter they'll be playing... Uh, they'll be celebrating a different 10 players from their past. Now, or a different decade from the past. Now, this is cool. You know, I love the Blazers. I'm very excited. You know, they've been around for 40 years. But I will be so happy when they finally win another championship and we can stop talking about well, 1977. Not God, <laughs> Every year. They have it. That's all they do. All year long is celebrate. Oh, you remember Bill Walton? You remember 77? <laughs> oh, wasn't that great? Maurice Lucas? You know, I, yeah, that was great. But that was over 30 years ago. Let's let's start looking towards the towards the future. It would be nice. Can I just tell you this? I uh, I mean that I don't mean this story in a bad way. I don't mean to sound like I'm like I'm like I'm being snarky. I really I mean I really am not. But I will say that uh, we used to work with a guy who was on that team. He was on the '77 team, and uh, boy, Bill Walton was great. It, it, you know that thing that happens in the office when you have the you know you have the the phone system that's all interconnected, and when your phone rings, like if you work at a, you know at any sort of like a uh, you know if you work in a cubicle, you probably have a phone like this. Phone rings and it tells you who it is. It says you know like Greg Nibbler calling extension five two one five or whatever. Um, when this guy would call, instead of a name, it just said 1977 at the top. <laughs> it was awesome. You would look down the phone, 1977 is calling, which is sort of funny in multiple levels. I picture him driving around blasting, taking care of business, too. <laughs> like Joseph Redcorn. Uh, awesome. <laughs> just don't stop believing. All right. Uh, so, in uh, other news, college football player Stephon Johnson, he's the USC tailback who uh, had his windpipe and larynx crushed. By uh, dropping a dumbbell on it, 
uh, in practice. He is actually going to be getting out of the hospital. He's he looks like he's going to make a full recovery. How I don't know. He had his uh, had his neck and uh, larynx crushed. He could Five. probably still paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's going to make it out. Uh, I don't think he's going to be playing this year, but he's at least survived. In some bizarre news, this is this comes to the can, from the Canadian Football League, which normally I don't uh, cover too much of the Canadian Football League. So I apologize. This happened a, a couple of weeks ago, so those of you that are uh, intense CFL fans may already know about this. But apparently, in a practice between the uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos, two players got into a fight and Xavier. I have no idea how to say this guy's name. X Z A V I E Jackson. Xavier. Xavier. Okay. Xavier. Wait, hold on. But there, is there an E or an R on the end of it? No, it's X Z A V I E. X Z. That's no way to start a name. Xavier. <laughs> I think I think they spelled his first name wrong. That's like a Roman numeral okay. from the future. <laughs> well, anyway, apparently he got a little angry at his teammate, Aaron Fiaccioni, and they uh, they were just practicing and started getting in a little shovel match. This Xavier guy started walking off, went behind the dumpster and grabbed a shovel and uh, went back out, apparently ready to clock him before the coach had to step in that and uh, stop them. Yeah, and now I kind of want to watch some Canadian football. If that's Isn't that how they curling? Do yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that is possible. And I like the idea that he somehow knew the shovel was there, like yeah. he had put it there just in the event of such a, a confrontation. <laughs> sounds like a target. Hard With his thing. own teammate. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's going on. And in the uh, NFL, Rush Limbaugh continues to make more news. So the owner of the Indianapolis Colts has come out and said that he will not vote to allow Rush Limbaugh to uh, purchase the team. And even Roger Goodell, the uh, commissioner of the NFL, has come out and made a statement as well. We have a clip of that. The views of, of a lot of people, most importantly, are players. And I've talked to players, so I understand the issue of the players. And uh, the comments that, that Rush made specifically about Donovan, uh, I disagree with very strongly. And uh, uh, that's it's a, it's a polarizing comments that we don't think uh, reflect accurately on the NFL or our players. And uh, uh, I don't obviously do not believe that those comments uh, are positive uh, and they're divisive, and that's a that's a negative thing for us. So, uh, but I disagree with those comments very uh, strongly, and I've told the players. Uh, so how does that work? The other owners all have to allow a, a, some guy to, to join. Yeah, they have to they have to vote it. I think that's the same with most sports leagues. Now, I'm not sure what the ratio is. I think you have to get like an overwhelming majority to actually be allowed to purchase the team. That's interesting. So, so yeah, the other owners have to approve it because uh, I mean, that would I be socialism. Have, if a bad owner comes in or somebody who's going to be you know take away from the game you know it's going to hurt all of them can so you bad publicity can they vote a guy out once he's in in other words if a guy buys a team can the other owners can they get a super majority and like vote that he has to he has to divest himself i don't think not unless he did something illegal i don't think that they could do that although i mean they could make it very hard on him just not trade with him or something like that i don't know by the way i just i can't get past the, the canadian football playing guy who's <laughs> going off behind a tool shed and coming back out with a shovel because in my mind i'm seeing it like a movie in my mind's eye, where it's just happening off on the left-hand side of the frame, where, you know, they're going about their business, like hitting a tackling dummy, and then you just see a guy sort of walking you know, casually back into the shot, holding a shovel, walking up behind the guy, and Bob, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Well, his name's Xavier, so he's probably angry already. Xavier. 
I mean, it's like the dad just hit his face into the keyboard or something when they were typing out the birth certificate. Yes. All right. All right. So that concludes this edition of Ball Talk. All right. Coming up next, Mike Thomas, author of a new book about uh, the Second City Comedy Theater in Chicago. 7 o'clock, Ryan White for the Oregonian will be here. We've got the top five on the way and a uh, pair of passes for you to go to Fright Town. Be listening to Rick Emerson Show continues next live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Insert Middle East country here for Comic Effect. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain. Your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 and KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. At some point, i got to go find uh, video footage of this. The Canadian guy, Xavier. Xavier without an R, whatever his name is. The guy who was getting the shovel. There's, it can't possibly be as funny as the story was making it sound or as my mind is, uh, you know, is imagining it to be. There's no shortage of shovels in Canada. No, and, you know... They need them all the time. And the thing about Canadians is they don't seem like an angry people. They seem like a largely innocuous country. And so whenever you hear about a Canadian going nuts, it's sort of extra fascinating and, I would say, doubly hilarious. Uh, Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines for you on this Wednesday morning. So we had the wind gusts up to 44 miles an hour yesterday. And it knocked down a tree, which as a result... Knocked out power to 7,000 people. One tree did all that. Now, is this, you said you had a power outage at your house. Yeah, my power was out for at least an hour. This uh-huh. is due to a tree that fell at Southeast 41st and Raymond at 1 p.m. Uh-huh. Took down two utility poles and the feeder lines between them. Yeah, because I live near, you know, right near Hawthorne, and uh, Kelsey lives on uh, Division, and her power's out, too. Yeah, you know, the power going out is just one of the worst things on Earth. It it was, just... I didn't realize it because I was working on my motorcycle, and then I saw, because I have twinkle lights, you know, inside my apartment, and I was looking inside. And I'm like, hmm, somebody turned off my lights. That's creepy. I have no twinkle lights. What are twinkle lights? <laughs> I, is that like Christmas lights? Yeah, like Christmas lights. Oh, oh that's nice. Yeah, you know, having the power go out is like losing your keys on a grand scale, where it's just the most helpless feeling on earth, because you realize there's just nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. There's just, uh, you are at the whim of the Almighty. Yeah, I was listening to music, then all of a sudden it was dead silent. I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? Coming up at uh, 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White will be with us. We'll do the top five at 720 uh, at 8.20. Uh, we will speak with a CNN radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, who will talk to us about living with the swine flu. Stephen Colbert, Steve uh, Carell, Mike Myers, John Belushi, Bill Murray, uh, all of those guys came out of one place, which is the Second City Comedy Theater in Chicago, which is just a, the legendary outlet uh, for comedy. And you, I mean, if you, especially, I would say, people who are over the age of, I don't know, if you're over the age of 25 or 30, and you list off... You know, the television shows or the movies that you find to be the pinnacles, the hallmarks of American comedy, probably 30 or 40 percent of them either star or are written by, co-written by, or involved in some way with people who came out of the Second City, uh, the Comedy Theater in Chicago. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Mike Thomas, author of the new book, The Second City uh, Unscripted. Hello, sir. How are you on this uh, Wednesday morning? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic as well. Uh, And I have to ask you, has any place created more comedy stars than, than Second City, I mean, with the possible exception of something like SNL. I mean, it seems to be a singular sort of experience. It really is. I can't find anything. I mean, you know, the, I know the Groundlings is very ensconced in L.A., and they produced a lot of stars, but when you look at Second City stars, 
so many of these are people who have just reshaped the face of, of comedy from Bill Murray to, to, like you said, Colbert and Carell and Tina Fey and Dan Aykroyd. And the list just goes on and on and on. And I've, I've lived in Chicago for quite a while. Second City is very ingrained here. And it's a very familiar institution. But I'm, you know, it's like looking at the skyline here. Every time I look at Second City, every time I look at the skyline, I'm constantly amazed at, uh, at what's there in front of me. Is it one of those uh, places that people, will they, do people make pilgrimages to, to join? Second City, but they moved to Chicago with the express goal of getting in at some point? They absolutely do. I mean, you know, Second City auditions five to 600 people a year for maybe two to three spots. So people are still vying to get in. You know, of course, it's not the only game in town like it once was. There's, there's a lot of different improv institutions, some fantastic theaters in town. Second City, though, you know, it remains by far the biggest and, and the most venerable, and it's really still something people want on their resume. And even in the training center there, you know, they train a lot of, uh, you know, improvisers, and there's more than 2,000 students in the training center. And a lot of them want a shot at stardom. And Bill Murray is one of those one of those folks, and he was one of the most famous people to come out of Second City. And I've always heard uh, what a legendary a what a legendary uh, imbiber of alcohol he apparently was at one point, and what a legendary temper he had. Is it true that Bill Murray beat a heckler? Well, you know what? First of all, the booze thing that wasn't uncommon at all. A lot of people drank at that second city you know especially back in the day so he, he wasn't alone in that and i haven't heard any specific stories really about that but in terms of the heckler thing i, I don't, it wasn't really uncommon for him to uh, you know to, to manhandle uh, hecklers a little bit if he thought they were uh, disrespecting him and his fellow castmates i mean the most legendary story is when the chicago troop in 74 traded spaces with the toronto troop because toronto was struggling to uh, regain its footing after you know basically fizzling after its first year in 73 and so they did a promotional thing so murray and, and the rest of his cast went up there and apparently according to uh, Mert rich another uh, castmate who was on stage with murray that night that this this drunk heckler was just bothering the hell out of him all night and uh, uh during the improv set when they take suggestions at the end of the show you know but bill basically says well there's this guy out there he's been bothering us all night but he's not going to bother us anymore and according to first and second hand accounts he you know he leaps off the stage he takes this guy off to what is apparently like a nearby alley of some sort and, uh, and gives him a throttling. Now, I mean, that said, even as late as 2005, you know, I, I remember reading in Time magazine, uh, you know, he, he says that, uh, at Second City, you know, you were taught to, um, uh, tr uh, you know, perceive the audience as, as these wild electrons that had to be controlled. You know, it's like it's not their show. It's it's yours. And you basically do what you have to do to, to maintain that control up there. Uh, whenever you read these stories about about uh, Second City or SNL, and you, you just sort of touched on one of this, they always uh, focus so much on the drugs. But it's always kind of on the 70s and sometimes the 80s, as though the drug use is just this thing of the past. Was it especially prevalent then, or is it just a matter of uh, perception? No, it was, it was much more prevalent then, uh, in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, the culture... Uh, allowed it a lot more too. So, uh, you know, it was, um, it, it, it was, it was a problem, I would say, up even through uh, the early 90s. I mean, there were, there were a couple of people at Second City who died uh, in the late 80s. Uh, uh, there was a cast member and a waitress there, and uh, uh, they died of, uh, of chronic uh, alcohol. Uh, 
chronic alcoholism and uh, cocaine intoxication, respectively, within 16 days of each other. That was five years after Belushi had died of a drug overdose. He was out of Second City by that time. But it, it took even a while after, you know, the late 80s tragedies for, you know, the place to realize, but, you know, this can't keep going on as hardcore as it's, as it's been. And for a long time there, you know, the cast members were allowed to drink for free after shows. And, you know, you got a bunch of 20-something creative performers who are unwinding after shows, and, you know, that, that that's bound to happen. We're talking to Mike Thomas, author of the new book, The Second City Unscripted. Even as a lover of comedy, I do have to say that Comedians just seem like truly horrible people. Uh, so, wh what is it? What is it like when a guy like John Belushi then comes along and becomes a real breakout star? Does everybody else just turn on them? Well, I don't think they turn on them at all. John was a hero at Second City. I mean, you know, even when he was there, uh, and, and somebody like Harold Ramis told me, when John was on stage, you know, he couldn't see you, he couldn't hear you a lot of the time. You just kind of let him do his thing, got out of his way. Sometimes it annoyed cast members, but there was a lot of love for that guy there. And when he broke out, you know, it was amazing. He'd come back to Second City for these you know, cameo visits. He'd peek his head in on the main stage for, you know, say the improv set one night, and the crowd would just go crazy. You know, I mean, uh, tables tipping over, cheering people on their feet. He was the favorite son there. You know, he'd gone off and he'd done good, and, and uh, here he was, uh, you know, a hero. What's the attitude toward uh, toward Saturday Night Live at Second City? Is there, does Second City kind of have that, that the sort of underdog uh, vibe going on or is there i don't do they do they resent the kind of success that seems to overshadow them sometimes well, I, I think they're two wholly different institutions. No, I don't think it's resented at all. I mean, for, for years and years, uh, and, and even now, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live just plucked one of uh, Second City's cast members and made him a, a, a writer. Um, so, you know, it's still happening. But Second City has long been uh, uh, an amazing farm team for SNL. I think especially early on back in the day, you know, the, the mid-'70s when SNL hit the airwaves, um, yeah, it, it, you know, Bernard Salins, who was the director there at the time, he's one of the founding members, he, he was uh, on the fence about SNL and SCTV and the fact that they were poaching from him because, you know, it brought a lot of national spotlight to Second City when that started happening. But at the same time, they started taking his talent. And so, you know, he was, uh, there's a story that the uh, producer emeritus, Joyce Sloan, uh, uh, tells that um, she's like, Bernie, uh, Lauren Michaels is here to see the show uh, uh, tonight. And, and she says, Bernie says, don't let him in. Mike Thomas, the book is Second City Unscripted Revolution and Revelation at the World Famous uh, Comedy Theater. Uh, best of continued success with all things and with the book, and uh, thank you for spending some time with us, my friend. Thank you, Rick. There you go. Mike Thomas, the Second City Unscripted. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is 629 a.m. This time, check delivered to you by Cooney BMW's 29-minute fast and free service. Performance has an address, Cooney BMW. Coming up at uh, 640, just moments from now, I'll have more news from Tim Riley. 7 o'clock, Ryan White, music editor for the Oregonian. 720, the top five. Top five songs about illness and or health care and or sickness. Uh, 820, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Stay there. Back after this. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503 503-228 Two two eight four one zero one. Just got the worst text message. This is, I believe, a follow-up to Greg Nibbler's uh, a ball talk segment of six o'clock. 
segment talking about uh, Rush Limbaugh and his, I guess, interest in owning. Is it a stake or a majority share in the Rams? I, I It would be a majority share, but it's with a co-owner, the St. Louis Blues owner. This text message asks, does Rush just want to own black people? You'll have to take that up with him, uh, uh, sir or madam, as the case may be. I, uh, I can't really speak to that. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Testing Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 6.40 to expect more rain today. And gusty winds up to 25 miles an hour. And maybe some more trees blowing down. An Oregon man gets probation for stabbing a fish. This has made the national news. And it's a Portland man. Now, I got a guy who sent me this story yesterday, and I opted not to read it uh, because it apparently included some disturbing photograph that I did not want to be subjected to. Yeah, I don't want to see a fish stabbing photograph. I, it, it, it Even though I see weird. people like gut fishes, I don't. See, but gutting and stabbing are two different things. You're gutting yeah. a fish, that's one thing. You're stabbing a fish, that's a whole, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But you know what I mean? It's a different thing altogether. So apparently this, this guy has been sentenced to two years probation and psychological evalu- evaluation after doing this. Uh, he got in a fight with his girlfriend. And decided to get even with her by killing a fish. Uh, his attorney, Thomas McNair, said the stabbing of the fish is a very low point in his client's life. Who could disagree <laughs> with that? What kind of a fish was it? Was it a goldfish? It doesn't say. I mean, I have no... I mean, you, it, it can't have been that big, right? Like, how big could a pet fish possibly mm-hmm. be? There's not like a trout. I mean, in a way, it's almost... You almost wonder how he did it because they're... I mean, they're slippery and they wriggle around a lot. Well, how big of a fish is it? We almost have to look at the picture to... Get an assessment of how big the fish was. Yeah, but you'd need something that, uh, of a known size in the photograph to give it a sense of scale. Well, this is uh, Donald Earl Fight the Third. Fight spelled F-I-T-E. And it's it is the girlfriend's fish, and they split yeah. up. And he said, "If I can't have the fish, no one will." He, uh, according to the court document, he told the officer, "If she can't have me." Then she can't have the fish. Oh, I see. All right. So then he, so then he stabbed the fish, which they then and did he just like leave it there? Just stabbing it, job done. And just like left it on the floor, and then they, uh, yes. and then they found him. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand exactly how that, uh, the, how that works. But a guy sent me a, um, yeah, a guy sent me a photograph of it. It was all, it was all the, the, the very perplexing. Well, stabbing seems a little like overdoing it. Don't you just have to take the fish out of the water? Or you could just, job done. Or you know, you can flush it. I mean, but yeah. did you ever think about this? Have you ever thought about how many goldfish you've probably inadvertently killed in your life? Just because of, you know, especially because they always give goldfish to kids. Mm-hmm. And kids are always the ones who are least qualified to tend to any pet. My sister and I were just talking about that. She was remembering, like, carrying a goldfish bowl across the room. And, and she like, dropped it? Dropped it. You know, <laughs> goldfish just Dead goldfish. Around. Yeah, yeah. they're like, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. There are millions of goldfish. Yeah, but I mean, do you suppose, do goldfish view us as some sort of horrible genocidal curse upon their race? No, they're like the rabbits of the fish world. Yeah. They're easily replaceable, and they're, they're more being born every day. But see, that's exactly what a genocidal uh, oppressor would say, Tim. Tim, do you stab fish in your spare time? I, That's I, right. I don't remember if I ever had fish. I, I'm just picturing, I mean, the that sort of attitude is exactly what one would expect from a uh, you know from another race that was bent on wiping you out. Well, there are more born every day. They're really just a bother. I bet that's what Rush Limbaugh says. I want. That's Tim Riley making that observation. Rick, that's the news department of CBS. Uh, Tim Riley is at the uh, news desk right here, right now. Clackamas <laughs> County cops searching for three kids working together who shoplifted Sears Craftsman tools from a Happy Valley store. The getaway car said to be a 94 black Acura Integra, and they cut them on video. So I'm just wondering somewhere. if Goldfish have sort of, uh, I don't know, they have meetings or something where they get together and they talk about how to, you know, how to throw off the yoke uh, of the traditional power structure. Because the thing that I, let me ask you this. 
The th- will it kill goldfish if when you go to the store and they, you know, they give you the fish in the bag or whatever, the little cellophane bag, and they send it home? Is it true that when you get a goldfish from the pet store, you have to take the cellophane bag full of water and set it in the tank full of water for like a day before you can let them out of the bag? I, I don't think it's a whole day. But I mean, for a while anyway. I just thought that you dumped the water that it came in into the water. Day. See, that would be the better thing. I always thought that too, but then it's like they would always die. Like the next day they'd be dead. And then, so my, I think it was my dad or somebody at some point said, no, 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 you, son, you got to take the, the bag with the water and you got to put that inside the water in the tank. Please don't call about this. I don't care that much. I don't have any goldfish. I mean, I can have your, your goldfish have been long dead. I, yes, I know, but I'm wondering, is there something I could have done differently? How could I have behaved that would have spared their lives? It just sort of mystifies me because for a while, I went through several stages where maybe I have deep-seated goldfish issues that I, I haven't really dealt with. You're obsessing about this a little. Well, because I wondered if I because I thought I was just getting a bad beat somehow. Like I was maybe picking the wrong goldfish. Oh out no, of the no thing. they die constantly. But mine died within like a day, and so I always wondered like, am I picking defective goldfish somehow? Well, it's all about the no. It's about like the water temperature and like. <laughs> See, so that's my thing. Is I'm wondering if I was putting them in water that was too cold, or if I somehow was like I would put them in tap water. Which maybe that was too chlorinated, perhaps. No, my friend had a, a beta, and they were um, her boyfriend was like not paying attention, and ended up like changing the water really fast, too cold, like, and the water was too cold, just like insta dead beta. Are beta those fish that eat all the other fish? Yes, man, I didn't. I found that out the hard way because we had like one beta, which I think was given to us by somebody else, because like they're like I don't know, it's uh, it causes a ruckus with the other fish, which we found out is I guess what they're known for doing, and we put it in with a bunch of other things. We came in the next day and just a bunch of heads and fins floating around. That was it. Here's yeah. Tim Riley. Officials in India have given a firm no to a request by the Albanian government to hand over the remains of Mother Teresa, who died in 1997. She's currently buried in Calcutta at the Missionaries of Charity Cemetery. She is uh, best known for being the Saint of the Gutters. How would you like to be known as that? Saint of the Gutters for her work with the poor. Mother Teresa is actually an Albanian, or was. She was born on what is now Macedonia and was granted Indian citizenship in 1951. According to the BBC, a missionary of charity spokeswoman called the request absurd. The battle for the body of Mother Teresa has intensified as her 100th birthday approaches. The saint of the dead will, or the saint of the gutters, will stay where she is. A couple of things. One, I don't know where Macedonia is. Anybody? Macedonia. Oh, it's it's in that uh, litter of useless countries. I say it's the Balkans. A, it's, see, it's like it's in a crop of countries nobody cares about. Bulgaria and we really all those real, in here. Bulgaria countries. I am an ugly American. I can say that Macedonia is in a place nobody gives a rat's ass about. It sounds like it's near Estonia. Greg is bragging. No, Estonia is uh, north. Of the via text that he knows where Macedonia is. Yeah, but that's just because Greg is like some. I, I don't know. Is, is your family like really into their Eastern European heritage or something? No, I just like Eastern Europe. Well, I've, fair enough. I've, I mean, I've been to Croatia and Slovenia. Macedonia is right over there, too. You've been to Croatia and Slovenia? Mm-hmm. And you were in Haiti at one point? Yes. Why were you in Haiti? Was that by accident? Did they tell you you were going somewhere better? No, it was actually it was part of a cruise. I'd like to go to the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. What cruise do you have that will take me there? <laughs> no, it was on an island off of Haiti. I think they owned it, but it was still... Haiti doesn't own anything. Haiti owns pain and dirt, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think the cruise line actually owned this island. Oh, the cruise line. <laughs> yeah, the cruise line owned it. <laughs> that's how poor Haiti is. You could that's actually just poor. buy the island. What was it like? Did it suck? Uh... It was it was weird. They had uh, like a giant like covered covered uh, kind of a flea market thing that we went to, and where you negotiate with people for like maracas. And then I bought <laughs> some. Uh, I bought some locally. Could you be more of an American? <laughs> I, know. I know. I would like some maracas, well, Haitian. Too, like right after you get right after you get off the boat, they have all these guys with maracas, and they're like twenty dollars, and I'm like no, five dollars. He's like ten dollars. I'm like no, five dollars. So I, I made him sell them to me for five bucks. 
And he just had this dejected look on his face. He's like, okay. The best part is how you are actually, you are telling, and don't get me wrong, I like it. The, uh, you were, how you essentially beat a Haitian guy out of $15, which would probably have fed his family for a year. Probably, but I was like, nope, five bucks. That was probably his, his most profitable quarter yet. I mean, well, go, Greg. well I, they in a way got me back, though, because I bought some of the local Haitian rum, and that was not normal rum. Yeah. I have no idea what was in that, but it, it was... comes from a septic tank. Where the <laughs> yeah. Bottled dysentery. Yeah, it was, I have no idea what it was. Uh, some kind of hallucination. Or something. Five dollars still. That seems like you have overpaid, though. Yeah, who buys maracas? You could get. I don't know. You wouldn't pay five dollars probably here for a maracas. Also, that is a strange. Did you already have the magic rum before you were buying the maracas? No, this was afterwards. I wouldn't think that maracas. Maracas don't seem like a Haitian instrument. That seems like more of a. uh, That seems like more of a Latin American thing, doesn't it? Yes. I don't really know. Uh, I mean, there's Latin American stuff on that island, though. But but visiting Haiti is sort of weird uh, because you know Haiti shares. You know, the other half of that island is the Dominican Republic, so it's. So it's sort of like, you know what it is? It's like living in a duplex where one of the neighbors is real wealthy and the other one's real, real poor. Uh, and there's just all this tension because you just wait for because you know the other guy's going to come steal your TV at some point. Um, so Haiti, uh, I don't know where Macedonia is. I don't really care. But also, what was she? She's, she's the saint of the gutters. Is that what the, yes. is that the Catholic Church actually called her? Well, that's what it says on her sash, I guess. Are they just running out of things to make you the saints of? She is the saint of the gutters. Well, there were a lot of gutters in there, and somebody has to be the saint of them. That's like being the saint of that thing behind the bar where all the excess alcohol gets spilled off during I the mean, course of the evening. I mean, there can't be very many takers to be the saint of the gutters. I mean, so Mother Teresa pretty much courted the market. Not a hotly contested uh, title. Mm-hmm. Corey calling about goldfish on an annoying Bluetooth headset. That is annoying. Well, that's sort of that's sort of appropriate in a weird way, isn't it? That that kind of satisfied it because his Bluetooth was really annoying. <laughs> Crackling, and he's like, oh, sorry, my he- I got my headset on. <laughs> It's 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program coming up at 7 o'clock. Oregonian music editor Ryan White, top five at uh, 720. And we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about swine flu at 820. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next, live from Portland. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101, KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. All right, so you were wearing one glove before, Sarah. Now you've got both gloves on. Have I noted that you are dressed? Did you, in fact, pick out these clothes to match your motorcycle? No, I did not. Because... But I do match my motorcycle. I just... You do realize that everything you're wearing goes with your motorcycle. I didn't know if you was if you were doing like a Christy Turnquist thing where every single thing in your possession must match on every Maybe given I day. I am. I'm kind of obsessed with it. I think I'm subconsciously trying to match it all the time. I did not, but I didn't notice it. But yeah, you're right. It Yellow does look fantastic, by the way. Thanks. And the new seat looks so awesome. Well, that's because I only buy the best. And by best, I mean the things that you specifically told me to purchase you. Yes. Hey, what did you do with that five-pound gummy bear that you were given for your uh, your birthday? Did you it's take that home? And- I don't know what to do with it. What am I supposed to do with it at my home? Maybe distribute it among the poor. So a like homeless attract- napper would love it. See, that's what I'm saying. You could probably find some sticky-faced uh, homeless guy that would Maybe enjoy I'll- a five-pound gummy bear. I'll ride over the Burnside Bridge on the way home and like give it to somebody. That, that should be your... to drop it over the bridge. Oh, yeah. To a passing, <laughs> to a passing ship. Over. Your new press photo. <laughs> it's exactly. The barge operator says he doesn't know where the gummy bear came from or why he sustained the concussion, saying only he cannot wait to be able to walk again. Uh, you should get a press photo 
of you. How long it'll keep before it starts growing mold? Forever. It, I don't know. Yeah. That, that won't know it. But that's Do gummy a, things mold. It's gelatin. I don't think that'll grow mold. I don't know, but it's really moist in that uh, like package. Yeah, it's already sticky. I don't think that's one of those things that I think there's certain foods that don't go bad. Because, uh, like, honey will never go bad. Like, you can leave honey at room temperature for, like, a thousand years. It'll never go bad. I think it's the same thing with a gummy bear. I think you should, like, your new press photo should be you dressed in your finery, sort of on a street corner, bending down to give the five-pound gummy bear to a homeless man as though it were a turkey dinner on Thanksgiving. I do have lipstick that matches the gummy bear. Yeah, sort of. Kind a de- color coordinate. You know, kind of a Dickensian, you know, I now give from the best of my ability to the least of my society sort of a thing. Uh, it's 503 228 for 101 in just a moment, we'll be joined by uh, Oregonian music editor and uh, man about town, Ryan White. By the way, in response to popular demand, I have at rickemerson.com now posted those photos of January Jones uh, from GQ. Yeah, you're right there, naughty. She's very much trying to distance herself from, like, cutesy housewives. That's the whole thing. It's like the I am not Betty Draper uh, the post. As opposed to John Hamm, who's doing exactly the right thing, which is like, I am Don Draper. Look at me. Look how Don Draper I am. I'm Don Draper all the time. Have sex with me. Um... Boy, what a, just real quickly, what a bastard he was on Sunday night's episode, though. Uh, somebody had warned me that it was sort of a different side of Don Draper, which, and I didn't really know what they meant by that, but, boy, that episode just took some turns that I did not. Even darker. Uh, yeah. Even Roger scolded him at the end. I did not anticipate that episode going the do? way. Everything I, wrong. Do you want to know? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give, we'll do like a five-second warning and then like a ten-second little recap of, of Mad Men. And well, then we'll find out what happened to Sal. That's well, that's up. the thing. So, uh, spoiler in three, two, one. Yeah, so they fire Sal for not putting out for a client who tries to seduce him. Sal resists the guy's overtures, and then they fire him effectively for not giving it up like to the Don guy. Don Draper fires him? Uh, Don, he is fired by Roger Sterling, and Don Draper uh, supports the firing, and then refers to Sal and uh, and uh, presumably other gays as you people. So it was it was very... And then at the end, bonks his uh, daughter's school teacher. So The other thing is, at Sterling Cooper, just because one person fires you, it doesn't mean you're fired. That's, uh, you know, yeah, like it's a one, matter of opinion. Like the one girl who just showed back up the next, yeah. you know, after the weekend. And I keep waiting for somebody to point out that Burt Cooper has a big tentacle raping uh, painting on the wall of his office. No one ever says, hey, what's that all about? It's, 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 a, it's a woman and an octopus. Why do you have that? It just sort of sits there, like, unremarked upon. All right, well, in any event, uh, you go to rickemerson.com, you can see these photos of January Jones, who plays uh, uh, Betty Draper, because Rick Emerson cares. Also, there's this hot photo where it looks like she's been hit by a car. Uh, Tim Riley is tracking the following stories for you on this uh, Wednesday morning. So, we're in for more gusty winds today and more rain. This traffic uh, fatality in Gresham is really weird. Some guy gets killed in a traffic accident in Gresham around 3 o'clock this morning. And before that, according to his sister, quote... He just had the living crap beat out of him in a bar, unquote. And he decided to uh, drive home afterwards, and apparently it was not a good idea. Prisoners must learn to have tea instead of soda in prison from now on. No more of the soft prison life. And a car that runs on urine will save <laughs> save the planet. From Mazda, the new CX-7. You're making that up. No, it's right here. You're making it up. You're no, not, you've, been fed a bi- you've been given a bill of goods. You are passing along mm-hmm. mistruths. They are not making a car that runs on urine. And this isn't one of those things where I really know the answer and I'm pretending I it's don't for comedic effect. It's a good-looking car that runs on urine. It would have to be. It runs on urine. I mean, it probably has, like, stains running down the side of it. Well, it's ugly, but at least it runs on pee. Would you like one? I'd drive a pee car. As opposed to a K car. The, what do you it mean? It likes a-, a wee drink. Right. When you say it runs on urine, 
What are we, in essence, talking about here? Like, is so there to speak? like a toilet built into this? It is special man made urine. I guess the regular stuff isn't man made urine. As opposed to synthetic urine. <laughs> is so this, somebody's in a laboratory. Is this urine made by hand? Urine. All right. Uh, my little elves in a hollow tree. 503. Uh huh. 503 228. Uh, 4101 coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. We will talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Who, uh, do you get the feeling that everybody else at CNN did not know that she had swine flu? But, like, I maybe sort of gave that away I to everybody. I it there, buddy. Well, you know, she told me, she didn't, look, I asked her if I could reveal it, and she said yes, but presumably, presumably that meant to everybody, uh, not just to the people here. So, you know, sorry about that. Ryan White, music editor for the Oregonian, joining us today. Hello, sir. How are you? If I ever have a urine-powered car, I'm not uh, going to let anybody else pump my gas. <laughs> You'd have to stand there with one of those little handheld bells. <laughs> or the wind. No, you should just leave now. <laughs> wow, you've yeah, you've topped out. You really ought to just uh, you ought to just bow out as of as of right now. Just leave. good morning. Yeah, just leave on the wind. I hey, do you ever think about this? Speaking of pee. Here's a scientific question that sort of uh, occurs to me. And when I say scientific, it is scientific only in that sort of narrow sense that borders on retarded. Um, because that's kind of what we specialize in here. If you were to just be drinking a low level of water constantly, like maybe, uh, you know, like if, if I hooked up, in other words, if I hooked up some sort of a hose or something or some sort of a, like an IV drip into my mouth, if I were drinking water constantly, would you reach a point where you were just peeing constantly? I mean, literally without stopping. Yes. I don't know. You're just saying that to get me off the subject. I was just a thing that I wonder No, I've about. actually seen this in many sports arenas around the country, but it's a low-level <laughs> beer drip. Awesome. You're on fire today, Ryan White. Uh, um, so you, uh, and before we say anything else, last week you talked about uh, interviewing Anthony Daniels, who was the voice of C-3PO, because he narrates the Star Wars Live thing, which is happening uh, tonight, tonight, I believe, at the Roscoe. Are you going to that? I am not. I'm going to the Monsters of Folk. Well, you've instead. already interviewed him. Like, why would you? Why would you sully your brain by actually you know, hearing him once removed? You've spoken to him on the phone. It, it, it was funny because I, you know, I, I had put up this this kind of fight that I before I realized that I had a conflict, anyways, about going to the thing tonight because I have this rule with like big blockbuster movies that I won't go while I think that there's a reasonable chance that I'm going to run into somebody dressed in costume. Yes, and because I just don't want to do that. And I was telling this to a friend of mine who was out visiting a couple of weeks ago. He looks at me, he goes. You've covered a Raiders game. Yeah, you, you go to you go to games where people dress up all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, because you have no moral high ground on this particular point. No, there really is. I would say no. that uh, I would say that there is definitely uh, there's an analogous relationship to be made there between, yeah. for example, the Raiders and like whatever the latest Harry Potter film. Exactly. Uh, you know, like I worked for. Uh, I have this uh, this article that I tried to write seven or eight nine times, and it never really came together. It's one of those things I'm working on in my garage during the winter. And it was the article had had as its hypothesis that there is uh, in the Star Wars world, there is uh, something that is the equivalent to everything in the kiss world. In other words, everything that happens in the world of Star Wars has some sort of a has a relative comparison point in the world of uh, in the world of kiss, um, you know, up to and including the fact that when you go there, uh, you know, you see like 45 year old guys. Who were packing themselves into clothing they wore in 1978 and then slathering themselves with uh, with grease paint? Yeah, but you know, it's yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, you say tomato, I say yeah. Sith. So all that said, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful production. I, I think I, it's going to be really cool. I would uh, I would go, but it's uh, you know, this job kind of makes us newly lame. It's like I I've, I really really wanted to go to Slipknot last night. But it's that thing. It's like I was bitching about the Bluetooth headsets earlier, where you just realize that everything you're saying makes you sound like an old guy. You're saying, oh, I don't know. It's just going to be so late, and it's so loud. And I mean, there's always just such a haze of smoke in the air, and people are on drugs. And better I, to just stay home and watch Andy Rooney on <laughs> DVR. That's exactly. 
Exactly. Um, you're covering the Oregon Hall of Music, uh, the Oregon uh, Music Hall of Fame uh, ceremony, which I think is what is happening this weekend, right? It's Saturday night at the Roseland, yeah. Here's something I wonder, and I don't ask this to be disrespectful. I really, I really honestly wonder about this. When they have a Hall of Fame for anything, uh, be it the Rock and uh, whether it's just the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whether it's the Oregon uh, Music Hall of Fame, do they run into that thing where in the first year they induct everybody that, that they care about, and then and then we have to get excited, uh, you know, about uh, like some guy who was the fill-in bass player for Bobby Rydell at some point? I mean, is that the is that the thing? Kind of. Kind of. I mean, certainly, certainly, you know, there's... Once you've done new shoes in the Kingsman, I mean, really, where are you to go? Yeah. And, you know, there's some pretty cool things happening this weekend. There's this band, uh, Cooler, who was, uh, they were kind of like the preeminent uh, funk band that would, uh, apparently their live shows were just legendary. I asked Marty Hughley, our old, uh, our our previous music critic, I guess twice removed now, um, because I I was writing a little bit about Cooler for for A&E on Friday, and Marty is inducting them, and so I, I sent him an email. I said, "Hey, any background on these guys?" Because it was before my time, and he shows up at the office, walks over to my desk, and stands in front of me. He goes, "Only the greatest live band ever to play in Portland." And apparently, you know, there's just this group of really, really good musicians, and they would stretch out. And he was telling me one time that you know we went and you know it was a New Year's Eve, and he had just, he had been somewhere else. He shows up kind of wobbly. Uh, at right at the end of their first set, they go off for about forty five minutes, come back out after midnight, and their second set was one song that was like forty five minutes long, awesome. and everybody was just dancing and sweating and and just going nuts. When you uh, when you move to any city in Portland, it certainly has a share of these things. There was always the thing that happened before you were here and that disbanded or closed six months before you moved, and that that was like the definitive thing that, no, 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 you really had to have been here when blank was happening or when, like, blank band was still together. And that band always broke up right before you moved here or that bar always closed just last week, uh, and you were never around to see it. I miss La Luna. Uh, see, and that, see I, I am one of those guys who go, like, I remember going to La Luna back in uh, 90. That was a good time. These clubs today. The one that I was always told about, uh, you know, and I've been, uh, you know, I'm from the Northwest, and I was gone for, you know, a fair number of years, but I've been here for, Jesus, 12 years or something now. But the thing that I always get told about was the club, was a place called Club X-Ray, which I, which I guess was sort of legendarily famous. And it's the thing that I had a friend of mine, and she would always drag that out as the proof that I was not like a real Portlander, that I had never been to Club X-Ray. Here's the other thing you always hear about in Portland that you were never around for, which is to see the Crazy Eights. The yes. Crazy Eights are the band, like Court does that. And I'm, you know, and I'm sure they're a fine band. They're headlining the show on Saturday See, night. That's the thing. And it, they are one of those, they're like, a, you know what it is? They are like an old school Portlander trading card or something. Or like a Magic the Gathering card for your city. And they're really valuable and you can only get them in one out of every 500 tops packages. When, uh, when they were announcing the uh, the lineup uh, and, and the inductees for this year, I met the, uh, the guy who manages the Crazy Eights. And he was telling me about the last show that they played out in Beaverton or something like that where they sold every drop of beer in the entire place i was like well that's still pretty cool yeah no i mean there's uh, anytime you can drink out a pl- drink a place dry they ought to they ought to do that now that ought to be how they there ought to be like a line of portland oregon uh music trading cards that's actually a really good idea that's mine i'm creating that idea right now on the air you have heard that that is copyrighted uh, trademarked all rights reserved my intellectual property portland band trading cards and on the back it would be like their drinks of choice or yes at a uh, venue or at a show they did, exactly how many glasses of beer and shots of uh, spirits were sold. Excellent. All Perfect. Right, get to work on that today. It's 5.03. Greg is typing in the screen. His last band already did that. Really? I have proof. Yes, exactly that. Is this when you weren't busy scamming Haitians out of their maracas? Yes. All right.
Coming up next, the top five. Top five songs about sickness or health care from Ryan White. Stay there. We return next. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. My eyes are on fire with passion. 1-800-344-KUFO. Excitement. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Lack of sleep. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. In just a uh, moment, we'll have today's top five with Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian. Today is uh, top five. Top five songs about sickness or health care. Top five songs about sickness or health care. That's coming up in a moment. This email is from Jack, and it says, Make fun of the legless painters all you want. At least they can use a vending machine. There you go. We never did that. We did not. We never did the... Why did that even start? We just... Back up for a second. We had some discussion a few weeks ago, and I think this is right before that Survive It and Drive It contest sort of played havoc with our, with our schedule. You know, we never, we never went to film that electronic toilet that's downtown that apparently is only for the homeless. And the homeless... The, the, un, the disadvantaged get all the breaks in the society. Uh, we never filmed the toilet, and we never did that thing where I was going to try to use the vending machine without hands. Why did I have it in my head that I needed to do that? I know, there was a valid reason, though. We we, had planned it. We had some big discussion about whether or not I could get a dollar bill into the vending machine without using my hands. Greg, do you remember why? Was that from the David Carradine thing where he was tied up? Did did it stem from that? Here's the thing. That is a a bit of... I think that might be a retcon there, but I'll accept that. In other words, I don't think that was the actual reason, but from this point forward, we will say that was the reason because it works, and I can't think of what the actual uh, underpinnings were. But yeah, because I was... I think I was speculating that, you know, that it would not be possible uh, to get the dollar bill in the vending machine somehow, or maybe I thought it would. Anyway, it's just like on the list of things we didn't do. I'm sorry. Tim Riley's tracking the following stories for you on this Wednesday morning. Maine Republican Senator Olympia Snow split with her own party and voted with the Democrats on a health care bill. Now, a second Republican may go along with her. We'll wait and see who that is. Invading giant snakes are threatening U.S. wildlife areas, and People Magazine has published the first pictures of kidnapped, uh, kidnapping victim J.C. Dykert, who says, uh, the quote from the magazine article is, I'm back. Um, well, I don't know she came from. Uh, and we're going to hear more about the car that runs on urine as well? Probably. All right, just just checking. Is this is this a car made by the Japanese? Yes, it is. All right. It is a Mazda. To no one's surprise. Mazda CX-7. It's 503-228-4101. It's time for your top five. five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? And with today's top five, the top five songs about sickness slash health care. Here is Tim Riley. Uh, what I will mention is I want a new drug by Huey Lewis and the News. Really? Yeah. I, I fell asleep the other night drunk in front of American Psycho. <laughs> right? Be- <laughs> That's the best thing you've ever said. That is even better than whatever it was you said at the beginning of the hour that we said was the best thing ever. It- it, but it, I fell asleep right after that scene where he gets re- where the Christian Bell character gets ready is getting ready to kill the Paul Allen right. uh, Paul Allen when he do you like Huey Lewis in the news and goes on that wonderful monologue about you know his 
his sense of humor being more cynical than Elvis Costello's. And so this is just sort of stuck in your head? It's been stuck in my head since. Hey, speaking of Elvis Costello, so is it, I have always heard, is this true that Huey Lewis or, or the news or some combination of them, that they are Elvis Costello's backing band on, like, this year's model or My Aim is True or something? I always heard that they were, they were his first backing band on record. Don't know. That sounds like the kind of thing that would be said and couldn't possibly be true. But, but, but maybe see, it is. But therefore, but see, it seems so unbelievable that I, I think that it might actually be the case. I'll figure it Good. out. I'll, I'll look it up. We'll time. look it up on Wikipedia. That will surely clear up all. It's not there. I will put it in there. <laughs> you know the thing about Huey Lewis is, well, I mean, apart from the, you know. The huge member uh, with which he is gifted. Um, is huge member? Oh, it's sizable. It is. It's substantial. How do you know? Yeah. I've seen it. Who hasn't seen it? Greg, you've seen Huey Lewis's penis. I, I'm sorry. I have not witnessed uh, Huey Lewis. I haven't Lewis's seen it. I'm the only one who's seen Huey Where Lewis's penis. Is this also on Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. It's in the movie Shortcuts, the Robert Altman film Shortcuts. Uh, Shortcuts with um, uh, Lyle Lovett, Julia Roberts, uh, Peter Gallagher. It's one of those. It's it was one of Lyle, uh, Lyle Lovett. It's one of Robert Altman's first big crossover films in the early '90s when he was sort of being rediscovered. It was the thing he redid right after The Player. There's a sequence where um, uh, a guy who I always think is Fred Willard, who isn't Fred Willard, uh, is off fishing, and. You see that someone is um, relieving themselves into a stream, and the camera does a long pan up, and the person relieving themselves is Huey Lewis, who plays one of the friends. And let me just put it this way. It's an unbroken cut, and so you know there's no trickery going on, and uh, that's, a, that's a man who really was, uh, was, was smiled upon. Good for him. Second best thing about Huey Lewis, when you watch his Behind the Music, there's no bad news ever of any kind. Nothing ever goes poorly. It's just like, and then Huey Lewis's life continued to improve. His existence is better than yours in every way. And last time I saw him, he was at Pebble Beach playing golf with Peter Jacobson. So. Uh, these are the top five songs about health care or sickness. And number five, the Beastie Boys in Time to Get the Third. <laughs> <laughs> win. And that's the best thing said all morning. <laughs> that's what sets this program apart. <laughs> I can't top that. I don't have anything to say. Just in time for swine flu. I might have mistaken the meaning of ill in this song. Um, Perhaps but... it was written erroneously also. <laughs> You know, English doesn't make any sense. I'm looking at the way that Time to Get Ill is written here. Yes. And you know what? You can understand why people from other countries have no damn idea what they're talking about at all when they move here. I mean, it's just it, it's a miracle that any of us can speak with, like, a, a, a modicum of, uh, of clarity. It looks like somebody's keeping score there. You need two, you know, one more down, one across, and we move on to the next column. God, what a great record this still is. Yes. Really one of Rick Rubin's towering achievements here. And it ought to sound... I mean, I guess it's not dated in the sense that you can tell when it comes from, but it doesn't sound dated in the sense that it's sort of corny and a lot of things. A lot yeah. of early, here's a little secret that nobody will tell you, most early hip-hop is bad. It's just not very good. You listen to it now and it's just, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really work. Plus, this has the, uh, the line that they got more rhymes than Phyllis Diller. Yeah. It. Uh, it is the uh, Rick Emerson Show, the top five. Top five songs about health care and or sickness. Tim Riley? Number four, Dr. Robert from The Beatles. Can't quite escape the Beatles yet. No.
It's songs like this where you realize that they didn't even really have to try. Even songs that didn't yeah. achieve huge, massive success or that weren't like big chart-busting hits. I mean, I mean, even their little... I mean, it was just like clipping their fingernails. They would just sort of write hits, you know? Yeah, they probably wrote this on the way to like a different studio in <laughs> Abbey Road as they were walking down the hall. I don't know. I've got the pool that needs to be retiled. Let's write something else. <laughs> Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian, is here counting down the top five songs about sickness and or health care. Tim Riley. Number three, Dear Doctor, the Rolling Stones. Oh, help me. Please, doctor. I'm a damaged. Sister Morphine was a possibility here, too, if I want yeah. to uh... And a, the stones. and a kind of stone song that you don't really hear uh, yeah. a lot these. I mean, the stones have sort of. I mean, they still write. You know, they record new albums that only I buy, and then they and then they tour. Uh, you know, but then they tour and they play the same nine songs, yeah. you know, or whatever, over and over again. But they have that whole swath of songs that are great. That not only do people not really remember, or they're not really cognizant of, but that they themselves don't really emulate anymore. And you know, Sister yeah. Morphine's another song like that. You know, it's funny, even about their new stuff. I was having this discussion with you know, the Stones came up when I was talking to uh, somebody for a story a couple of weeks ago, and he was pointing out. He goes, "But you know what?" He goes, "If you walked into a bar now and you saw them, a band playing just their new stuff, you would think, who are these guys?' Right? And you know, it's just when you've done things like you know, this you know, this beggar's banquet in the middle, that suite of of records there that were just all amazing. Well, it's sort of a buy for the rest of their uh, for yeah. the rest of their lives. I mean, they have, you know, kind of nothing to prove at this point. Yeah. Excellent. These are the top 5 songs about healthcare and or sickness, Tim Riley. Number 2, somebody get me a doctor and Haley. Yeah. You of course have that uh that David Lee Roth uh, a cappella bootleg that has gone around. I have heard it. Oh, it's awesome. I do not have it, but I have heard it. I'll get your copy of that if you want. Thank it's, you very much. It's one of the best things ever. I went through a uh, through a period of about a month and a half where every single sound on my computer was some <laughs> was something from that. It was just some David Lee Roth noise, where it's like new mail was ooh yeah, and you know, and like an error message was <laughs> and you know, and like critical critical stop sound was that thing, and like <laughs> that thing that he's blowing during Running with the Devil. Yeah, wow. I, I want that, and then I want some of those for my ringtones, and I'm just going to leave it on all the time and have people call me in awkward situations. <laughs> the best part about listening to any Van Halen song with David Lee Roth is the realization that he is on some totally different planet than everyone else. He's in a different he's in a different studio. He's singing a different song. He's at a different venue. It doesn't matter where the rest of the band is. He is in some weird nightclub on the edge of space uh, that only he can see. And the realization that it didn't matter. Yeah. Well. Wow. That really still sounds good. Yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> Who can really sell a woo-woo like David Lee Roth, especially now? No one. Excellent. These are the... Yeah, you do it while kicking high. Top five songs about illness and or health care from Ryan White. Tim Riley? Number one, I Want to Be Sedated, the Ramones. Fantastic. Good choice. Yeah, I was trying to watch news coverage of the health care stuff last night, and this was all... Uh, this kind of became the obvious choice. I would, I would be curious to know if this is actually the only sort of mainstream song or the only well-known song that has a one-note guitar solo. I wonder if that's a feat that has ever been duplicated anywhere else. I don't think it would have to have been. Here's the best thing about... Well, there's two great things about this song. There's three. One is that it's this song. The second is that it's got a one-note guitar solo. The third thing 
is that the one-note guitar solo was actually played by their producer because, and I'm quoting now from a book about the Ramones, because Johnny just couldn't get it right. <laughs> like he just, it's what literally one note, and I don't mean that like euphemistically, like it's simple or it's basic. It's one note, and this guy Ed Stasium had to play it because Johnny just couldn't nail it somehow. He's like after 15 takes, I, just, I can't find the vibe. The muse escaped him. Here. In, in, in his defense, the one time that I played a uh, rock band, we I chose this song over to friend's house because it seemed like I could play the one note guitar solo, and I got booed off. Stage. Trickier than it, trickier so, than it seemed. The, the rhythm messed me all up. Excellent. Wow, what a great song. Ryan White, what's coming up in the Oregonian? Oh, uh, we got a uh, preview for uh, the Oregon Music Hall of Fame coming up in A&E on Friday. And uh, OregonLive.com backslash music for all the blog stuff. I think we're going to discuss uh, noir music today because the new uh, two-disc uh, look back at some of uh, Morphine's unreleased and uh, live stuff arrived yesterday. Awesome. Read him in print or online. He is Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian. Coming up next... Tim Riley at 8 o'clock, a supplemental ball talk with Greg Nibbler. And at 8.20, Lisa Desjardins from CNN will talk about what it's like to have swine flu. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in just moments, Tim Riley at the uh, news desk at the top of the hour, 8 o'clock. Greg Dibbler with supplemental ball talk at uh, 820. Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio on the Hill. She'll talk about... Uh, if it's supplemental, that means it's a smaller ball talk. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, indeed. It is not, not, the full, not the full size that one might expect. It's of a, of a diminished size and one would imagine performance. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 747. We can expect more rain today. It's going to be windy, too. High temperatures near 60. One man is dead after a rollover crash. It happened early this morning on Stark Street in Gresham. A passerby called police after coming across a mangled car on the sidewalk west of 257th Avenue. When they responded, they found 25-year-old Daniel Rupp dead inside the car. His sister said before he had left a bar, he just had the living crap beat out of him. When an ambulance was called and said, no, you just got to drive home. A Salem man has been shot in the neck while driving. Jeff Gorman says he rolled down his window, felt a sharp pain in the neck, then saw blood. Police arrested a guy shortly after that. They found a guy hiding a gun in his pants. Like an actual gun or a pellet gun? A gun. I don't want to be shot in the neck. I mean, not that I want to be shot at all, mm -hmm. but there are places, like you hear about people being shot in certain places. I mean, like obviously you don't want to be shot on like the knee or something, but I mean, but being shot in the neck just seems... Uh, or like being stabbed in the neck. Yeah, that's. I don't want anything bad to happen to my neck. Uh, that's, uh, that's a place that I would like to keep uh, relatively pain-free. State officials remain tight-lipped about lowering Oregon's minimum wage like Colorado did a few days ago. Ours increased 45 cents this year to $8.40 an hour. Colorado has dropped to $7.20. Why would they lower the minimum wage? I mean, other than... Other than just to be... Just to be... be, be bastards. Yeah, just yeah. to be dicks. I mean, Basically. why... 
I mean, is there some sort of... To give people more freedom. Is there, is there like a financial... I was going to say, is there a financial incentive for the state? Clearly there is. Is there a financial incentive, though, like in the overall, for them to, to lower the minimum wage? Not really. They're not claiming curious. the cost of living is going down or something, are they? No. All right. Because that, be, that would just be foolish. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, TV news continues to go down the tubes. Here's an example at WTTG Washington, D.C., one of the nation's biggest TV stations. It turns out that anchor people will have to run their own teleprompters. This is the first. Uh, a, a memo for the news director said, quote, we have purchased new equipment, including foot pedals and hand controls. <laughs> In the coming weeks, we will begin placing equipment throughout our studios and begin vigorous training. Our goal is to use this equipment flawlessly, along really? with the rest of the automation. How do you suppose, uh, how do you suppose that's going to work out in actuality? To what extent do you believe that goal will be achieved? So the prompters that uh, fee- will feed this uh, scripted news copy to the anchors while they're on the air. And uh, let's see. Some at the station worry that a roll-your-own system could increase the potential for on-the-air blunders as anchors fumble for the right spot in their scripts. They also say the viewers will notice some awkward cranking and pumping beneath the anchor desk. (laughs) Sorry. I'm not sure if that's done here in Portland. I'm sure somebody would know. Awkward cranking and pumping under the desk. Mm-hmm. Only Carl Click knows for sure. By the way, you, you the, the the awkward cranking and pumping line came before I could even get to what I presume is actually text from their press release where they say that they worry about errors caused by the station's impending quote "roll your own" policy. Yes, <laughs> which I was confused for a second. There. Does seem like be errors of the most hilarious sort. So this is so this well, would be like general a, manager says some anchors of news uh, talent prefer to operate it themselves. Really, do they? Yeah. Does the general manager say that? Uh-huh. Does the general manager does does he also say I'd prefer it if we could simply uh, replace all of these humans with robots? Is this going to be like a uh, like a treadle system? So it's like a sewing machine deal, where yeah. it's like one one. I'm just trying to imagine how that would work. Do you have? Uh, well, you, I guess you have to have some sort of dexterity. I guess those uh, people in the those painters that we talked about earlier would not be able to operate this. But well, I mean, maybe they could operate when they were miles. That's but. a good question, actually, because I wonder what if you had some sort of ailment? What if you had like a, a congenital problem with your your feet or something, or you had like some sort of a like a muscular ailment? Well, then you'd have to ha- hide somebody under your anchor desk. Would that be it. like one of those things that? humorously enough is referred to as a pickle switch which is the that's the uh, that's the little clicky thing that you'll see guys holding their hands where they advance the slide in a powerpoint presentation or you'll see like uh, weather people will do that sometimes i had one of those did you do that a coin for the traffic oh yeah when i was in front of the green screen i would click to all the like the maps i'd make about the and was it like a little thing uh it was it was uh like a little um cylinder you'd hold in your hand with a button on top and you yeah, click it didn't and it have a button on the top it was more like a like a uh like an ipod remote okay yeah and yeah then i had a little button yeah and then i'd click it and sometimes it would stick and that was always like fun to be I mean, live on the air can i just tell you there are a few things more entertaining than when uh, a television personality of some kind gets the slides out of order behind them and they're just desperately clicking back and because they all because they, then it, well, just, it was like that poor fellow at the creative convention every time he asked for a side it was the wrong one oh, go man. back one not the same. go back two <laughs> go back three go back four i don't know what he was talking about by the end i think he might have got one right out of 20 because they always fault they just go into like spiral in panic mode right i mm-hmm. mean the, the, because if a newscaster or anchor person if they get one slide off Rather than just look, not like then, I, you know, they talk about some heinous crime. You see a, a smile button in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not like I, like I'm that skilled of a television person. I am, as my friend Joni says, or just the, a, a the talking stick, prop. A stick figure lying in a pool of blood. That's my favorite. One. You think though that they would just 
do what we do. They would just stop and they would say, everybody, let's just take a breath and we're going to figure out what the F is going on. What slide is this? Well, they could, but I don't think there's anybody in the control room anymore at many of these places. But I think television people, though, wouldn't you agree that television people, as opposed to, let's say, us, like actual television folks are so, they are so bent on presenting a polished and flawless sort of presentation that the exterior must never have any errors of any kind. And so when they do make a mistake... They can't just stop and admit it, which is why they just start flipping back and forth trying to find the right backing slide. And it never works. It, it, they always just get progressively more screwed up. Picture the donkey appears. <laughs> exactly. It is pretty hilarious to watch them kind of backpedal out of it. Uh, it's awesome. So is that going to be happening here, Tim, where they're going to have to roll their own teleprompter feed? I, I don't know because I don't know anybody in television here. But this is going on in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. So there'll be awkward cranking and pumping from beneath the anchor desk. From rolling their own. Mm-hmm. They're rolling is. their own. And, I mean, if they have two foot pedals, you're going to see them kind of going like jiggling back and forth as they try to figure out what, where their teleprompter is supposed to go. off and you're a bang. Oh, man. You know, and it's just, the final note on this, you know, it's just, it is, it is just a countdown. I love it when bad things uh, that happen, happen to other people. You, uh, it is just a countdown until one of those foot switches gets stuck and the teleprompter just keeps advancing and they have to start reading faster and faster to keep up with the teleprompter text that's going by because if the teleprompter ever goes blank, they won't know what to say because they're just anchor people and they will have no idea uh, what to do after that because they, uh, they get thrown off very easily. We're interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, but... He's gay. The Rick Emerson Show continues next at the top of the hour with Greg Nibbler and a supplemental ball talk. 820 CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. And if you are caller 10 right now, you'll win yourself a pair of tickets to see Paranormal Activity. One of the uh, scariest movies ever made. To caller 10 right now. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show. At some point between now and 9 a.m., by the way, you're going to have a shot at winning a copy of The Simpsons, unauthorized, uncensored, behind-the-scenes look at one of America's best-loved television shows. Uh, and the book really is uh, it's quite something. you got to pick it up if you get a uh, chance, or you will have your shot at winning it uh, every day this week, sometime between now and 9 a.m. So uh, be listening for The Simpsons theme. When you hear The Simpsons theme, you'll be caller 10. Uh, that would be when you hear the Simpsons theme. You win yourself a copy of the Simpsons, unauthorized and uncensored. Lisa Desjardins coming up from uh, CNN at eight uh, twenty. She'll talk about. I mean, she's going to talk about the health care bill, but also the fact that she and her husband were afflicted with the swine flu. And you guys didn't get this four-page thing from the company about no about how to. Pre- Do I just look pale? Do I look as though I'm susceptible to disease? You might look a little sickly. So it's got it's. Four- Do we have like a Sanjay Gupta here that we don't know about? No, we have the actual Sanjay Gupta. That's uh, that's how we roll, Tim. But it's four pages about how to... F- there's one that's just a huge stop sign, and it says, Do you feel sick? And then the stop sign, it says, You may have the flu if you have fever or chills or cough and sore throat. And then b- below that, it says, You may also have runny nose, headache, diarrhea, or vomiting. Which makes it sound like you got to check for that. Uh, like you may be sort of unawares. Uh, you, you, know, you, you might may be, have that? You may. Like, like it's a thing you should go inspect at your first opportunity. Like Did you I might, just vomit? It's <laughs> 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 like, just like, a little vomit in my mouth. You have to go look for empiric <laughs> evidence to see whether or not your diarrhea has in fact arrived. Oh. Uh, let's see. Wow. And then, there's a, uh, and then there's an OSHA quick card. Which they have actually trademarked, by the way, because we're all out to steal the intellectual property of the uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, because that's really where the money is. 
how to protect yourself in the workplace during a pandemic, which is terrifying. I mean, putting it that way just fills you with fear that you might not otherwise have. I mean, this room is full of disease on a regular day. Yes, it is. The best strategy to uh, reduce the risk of becoming ill with pandemic influenza, they don't actually say swine flu, even though that's what we're all thinking, is to avoid crowded settings and other situations that increase the risk of exposure to someone who may be infected. Uh, and then it says a bunch of things that are totally implausible, like stay home every day that you're sick, which obviously people can't do. Uh, avoid touching your nose, mouth, or eyes. Which, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what is it? Like, why are you not? That's like if you're playing Simon Says. But, I mean, why are you not supposed to touch your eyes? Or your nose. You're going to get eye flu? Oh, maybe you have pink eye. Maybe you have pink eye at the end of your fingers. Yeah, but that's not influenza. No, no. That's the, I mean, pink eye is pink eye, right? I mean, that's like a, that's like a, that's like a skin uh, irritation or something. Yeah. It's like chicken pox, right? They're just shuffling around symptoms. Conjunctivitis. Conjunctivitis. That's, that's what pink eye is. But I, so that's I think Tim really nailed it though when he said that it's just like this it's like this uh, refrigerator magnet poetry of illness. Um, cough into your sleeve. Finally, avoid uh, contact within six feet of coworkers and customers, and avoid shaking impossible. avoid shaking hands with others. Oh, that happened to me. I, get the I had some I had some time to kill yesterday afternoon for some unknown reason, and I went uh, walking around the Pearl District, uh-huh. and somebody apparently. First, somebody says, hey, you want to help save the environment? I said, no. So, <laughs> so then right behind him is a woman with her hand out saying, hello, I'm blah, blah, blah. It's like, I am not shaking hands with you. I don't know who you are. Was she just a, was she a homeless person or no, was she like a signature? I, when I see the clipboard, oh, God. I was like, shaking, oh. shaking hands with strangers? Jesus, well, and she's holding a clipboard, which means by extension she's holding a pen, which means that thousands of people have touched that pen. And mm-hmm. so you are shaking the hand of every person. That has ever come into like five degrees of contact with that pen. It's like she wants to shake hands with me. The best part is she's asking you to help save the environment. No, that was somebody else, I I passed him. But I mean, but if a woman is just offering to shake your hand in the Pearl District, she must be there. Look, the people in the Pearl District don't shake your hands unless they can get a, you know money or a signature from you. Yes. So I mean, she must have been wanting you to help with some sort of environmental thing because that sort of seems to be the deal. As she's like giving you the Captain Trips virus, like with the other with the other hand. All right. Yeah, that's why I avoid those people altogether. But I, I mean, it was within one block. I like the idea that you actively said that no. No. Do you want to help the environment? I, no, I do no, not. No, I don't. In no I, way I do too, I wish like, to do that. I am so, like, I don't mean to be, but clipboard people just annoy me. I'm but, such but, a C to them. A smiling person extending a hand to a stranger is something I want nothing to do with. No, no, I'm, uh, <laughs> it fills me with fear. Oh, well, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, ladies that and gentlemen. That could been the worst part of the day. <laughs> time for another edition of Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. Uh, I'm Greg Nibbler. Let's talk balls. All right. The Portland Trailblazers are celebrating 40 years, and tonight they're going to play their first game in Memorial Coliseum since 1995, and uh, they're going to be playing the Suns in a preseason game, celebrating the Glass Palace with a turn-back-the-clock night. Each quarter, they're going to celebrate a different decade of the team, and there's going to be a bunch of former players, and Bill Shonley's going to be there, and that's all really cool. You know, it's awesome. Uh, Blazers have been around for 40 years. That's something to be happy about. About, but someday I will be happy when the past of the Trailblazers is not the important news at the beginning of the season. Why don't it's, they get rid of that old-fashioned 70s-style squiggly logo that looks like it's something from the Partridge family? <laughs> a backwards nine intersecting with a nine? I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, they, They'll find it. All right, yeah, you'll have, to, uh, you'll have to inform them of that. But yeah, it seems like every year all they talk about is 1977 and how they won a championship in 1977 over 30 years ago and no talk about the future of the team. They've got a 
good team this year. But yet, all we can focus on is uh, 30 years ago. Well, Every the, year. 1977 is to the Blazers as the Thriller album is to Michael Jackson. That's squiggly. Thing. You know, it's like. <laughs> I mean, Tim's all angered. Is that a nine logo. or a six? Is it's, that a nine a, having sex with a six? What is that supposed to be? <laughs> It's technically called the pinwheel, I think. But what's it? What does it mean? What is what, it for? Wait, wait, you know, the, I don't know. What is what? called the pinwheel? It's That's a six the Blazers logo. So, a nine wrapping itself around the six. You know, I, I actually I don't know it's what exactly it is supposed to be. I think is that the Screen Gems presentation? I I know there is meaning behind it, like why there's five lines on each side. People it is put supposed these to represent stuff, but yeah, but I, I don't know exactly. Is is a pinwheel? So angry. Is a pinwheel like a dirty Carl? <laughs> no, it's this, it's this weird blazer thing that's from the 70s. I don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, we're okay. So anyway, Portland Trail Blazers celebrating the past. Uh, in NFL news, Rush Limbaugh is still in the news. He is, of course, trying to bid to purchase the St. Louis Rams, and there's been a lot of uh, vehement uh, people against this, including the Colts owner, who said he will vote against having Rush Limbaugh be one of the owners. Which apparently the other owners do have to vote in and approve a new NFL owner. So he is against that. Roger Goodell, the uh, the uh, commissioner of the NFL, he has also come out and said he's pretty much against it. So it doesn't really look like there's any way that he can do this. But knowing Rush Limbaugh, will probably try to take it to the Supreme Court or something How like that. How much does it cost to buy a team like the Rams? I mean, what, what kind of money are you even talking about I, there? I would guess six, $700 million. And is that a thing probably where when like you that. say he's going to buy it, is it just that simple where he, he literally is the owner? Or is that a thing where he comes in with partners or investors or I something? Don't, I don't think he has enough money to buy it on his own. So he's coming in with the St. Louis Blues owner. And I think they're going to co-own. Uh, they would co-own the St. Louis Rams. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, you could own a team outright. Paul Allen outright owns the Portland Trailblazers and the Seattle Seahawks. So you can but, take the issue of the logo up with Paul Allen. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, just to bring well, that to I his attention. I just think it's time to modernize it. Time for change. We'll, we'll see if we can get him on the phone to talk about it. Um, so, and in uh, the CFL, yes, CFL, which stands for the Canadian Football League, in case you didn't know about that, and it is not soccer. It is actually their version of American football. Uh, we have some news from out of there about a uh, little tiff that happened in one of the practices for the Edmonton Eskimos. Apparently, Xavier... Ex- I looked up how to say this, and now I can't even do it again. It's X-Z-A-V-I-E. Xavier. So I think that's how it is. Anyway. That's not a real name. No. It, anyway, that guy, Jackson, that's his last name, uh, got in a fight with his uh, teammate, Aaron Fiaccioni, uh, during practice. Uh, apparently, Aaron Fiaccioni punched him in the face while this Xavier Jackson decided to walk off and grab a shovel that was hidden behind a dumpster and bring it back in in an attempt to swing it at him before the coach uh, stepped in and stopped this uh, That's madness. That's a fast ex- escalation of things, by the way. There goes yeah. from punching to shovel in the back of the head. <laughs> punching. And how did he know the shovel was there? I don't know. That's a good question. There are shovels everywhere in Canada. You always have to dig yourself out, no matter where you go. I suppose that's true. It's Edmonton. Maybe it was cold there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently he ripped off, of his, ripped off his jersey, of course, so he could be shirtless while doing this, <laughs> and went behind the dumpster, <laughs> grabbed a shovel, and went back to smack his teammate in the head. That is awesome. I'm picturing him ripping the shirt off like Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You know, and then just sort of doing like a flexing Man. the guns and then going to get the shovel. Maybe the shovel that's kept behind the dumpster is like a communal team problem-solving tool. If you have an issue. Don't make me get the shovel. And it's like it's kept there. It's just a means by which you can resolve any disagreement. That's how they do it in Canada, awesome. apparently. And that concludes this edition of Ball Talk. Awesome. Straight ahead, Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio will discuss the swine flu. You stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. 
It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Tim Riley tracking the following headlines on your Wednesday morning. Well, state officials are remaining tight-lipped about lowering Oregon's minimum wage law. No more soda for prisoners in the state prison system. And oh no, look what happened. A skunk has his head caught in a peanut butter jar. Yeah. We'll see who gets the skunk out. Uh, by the way, if you are, we were just talking about the about uh, sports and taxes and so forth. So the confluence of all of those things is the front of today's Oregonian. If you pick up a copy of today's Oregonian, which I I really urge you to do, if only for this, on the very front page, on the left hand side, there's a, a the thing about that you know they're trying to build the stadium for the for the baseball team, and the headline is taxpayer group calls for ballot on baseball, and there's a picture of, of what's his guts, Merritt Paulson, who's trying to find, he's the guy who's trying to find the home for the, you know, he's the, he's the Portland Beavers guy. He's going to end up in Beaverton. Anyway. Have you seen the photograph they ran of Merritt Paulson, though? No. Look at this picture. I mean, it's like one step away from being a mugshot. Look at that photo of Merritt Paulson. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't he look like he's saying, I watch you while you pee? It's like... All right. There you go. Just imagine imagine that phrase coming out of that photo. You will be able to do so with no difficulty at all. That's too bad. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Hill, CNN radio correspondent and game day player extraordinaire, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. Doesn't sound Aww. that way. You sound, you sound a, little, uh, a little raspy, a little, little wheezy. Yeah, but I've got a little, got a little thing. As, yeah, as you know, I, I am, I am getting over the flu. Now, are you? Can I just tell you this? Uh, I downloaded the greatest little application for my Mac, and it is. There's one for the iPhone that actually will do it, like within your city block or wherever where you live. But I have the greatest little application for my map, uh, my Mac that is a real time swine flu. Uh, pandemic mapper that is linked into the CDC. And so as new verified cases of swine flu are diagnosed, little uh, sort of virtual push pins appear on a globe or you can zoom in on, let's say, I don't know, uh, the East Coast. And you can see, I don't know, in maybe a place like Virginia or Washington, D.C. or Maryland, you can see where someone who has swine flu might have been diagnosed. Wow. Theoretically speaking. That's pretty awesome, theoretically speaking. Yeah, you know, we, Jason and I, both came down with something after visiting uh, the fine state of Montana, the treasure state, and we, we, we know it was the flu. It seems very likely it was the swine flu, but we didn't, uh, you know, pay whatever the extra 10, 20, 500 bucks to get the official H1N1 test. Well, because you were already, like, on the downside of, of the whole thing anyway. Yeah, that's the thing is we kind of just, you know, plowed through it, and then we're like, you know, we're really sick. <laughs> we should... The best... Maybe we should check this out. The best part, by the way, is, is so you and I talked on, I guess it was maybe Saturday. Yeah. And I uh, I had called you and you, you sort of answered the phone. And you're like, hello. And I and it was sort of like you were you were like that guy in The Princess Bride. You're in the pit of despair. <laughs> and I and I felt so bad. And, I, and I, I said, oh, I'm you know, you sound terrible. I'll let you go. And you said, no, no, no. We can't leave the house and nobody can come see us. You can stay on the phone as long as you'd like. <laughs> I was like, please talk to me. <laughs> but but you, it, was so, it was really sad. I mean, it was, we had the, you know, sticky, like, Robitussin cups and the shoes. Uh, and, like, mounds of used stuff. tissues everywhere. Yeah, and, and it was just, he and I just, and we had put, like, our sheets on our couch, you know? We'd even gone, we'd gone to that step. <laughs> And so there's like bedding on our couch, and and it's all gross and weird, and uh, and of course we've both been feverish and kind of sweaty, and we just like are looking at each other for days. But, <laughs> you know, the nice thing is we, as I told you, we had a big Dexter marathon, big West Wing marathon, and now and now the kicker is I am back at the U.S. Senate, uh, two and a half days post fever, 
And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe I will be the one to bring the disease here. I Well, you know, I mean, look, everybody uh, everybody has their intended purpose in life. Everybody has their destiny. Uh, did, was it, did you tell me that you that you guys are actually, you, you and Jason were sitting there at home, you and your husband, and you were you, you're thinking, okay, well, could this be, the, could this be the, the porcine plague? We should check it out. And you went online, right. and it was something where, like, the CDC test, yes. at the end, it didn't even say that you had swine flu. It said something even more menacing, like, you appear to be gravely ill. Yes. You know, they went, you to the trouble, you said, do I have swine flu? You know, you Google that, and up comes a CDC site and also a Microsoft site where you enter your symptoms, and they're going to tell you. And you enter all these symptoms, and you get to the very end, computing, computing, and it comes up with the answer. And the answer is, you could be very sick. (laughs) (laughs) Which, the vagueness of that is somehow even more deeply disturbing than just the actual clarity of a diagnosis. You know, I should, for those of you who, who are worried about, you know, say your U.S. senators, I, I will say I do, I am in a contained booth, I am avoiding people, I'm not really interacting very much in the Senate, but, you know, if a senator wants to make out, I won't say no. Duly noted. <laughs> On that subject, so... Actually, I, prob- I probably would say no, but... Well, I mean, it, it, it all depends, I would imagine. It's, uh... uh on on the subject of senators and maybe less making out and more health care, um, so the front, the, the Oregonian, the, the headline actually says health bill, uh, health bill clears panel, but is, quote, not perfect. First of all, and Tim made this point, we do really have to say that this has gotten so much further uh, than Hillary Clinton's efforts did in the, uh, the, first, uh, the first four years of the first term of the Clinton administration. Right. And the question then is where, if this continues on its given path, what is likely going to be the real tangible real world outcome of of this health uh, this health bill that is currently in 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 process well here's the deal so we've got five committees have passed five bills three of those committees are on the house side and they're pretty close their bills are really similar and they're trying to you know merge all those into one big giant plato gob of healthcare on the health on the house side and that that should happen pretty soon next couple of weeks the Senate has a bigger problem. The Senate has two different bills. Uh, one is more liberal from uh, Senator, from Ted Kennedy's old committee, and the other is the one that was passed yesterday, which is more conservative or moderate from the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, that bill does not have a public option, so no government-run insurance plan. It is smaller than the other plans, which a lot of people like because it spends less. Um, it, it would increase, uh, it would expand health insurance to, I think, twenty. Uh, 20- Five or 29 million people. So it does get a lot done, but it's smaller. And the problem is that the House, the, those two Senate versions right now are, are going to be colliding. And Senate uh, kind of leaders are going to have to, kind of leaders, Senate leaders are going to have to negotiate that behind closed doors starting today with the White House. And, and, and it's going to be very tough. And whatever they come up with, you know, hard to say if they can get the votes either way. Bottom line, if if, health, if a big giant bill passes, as it looks like something will now, um, we know that it will probably mandate that all of us get health insurance. That's in every bill. It will expand Medicaid, which is, you know, that health insurance program, health care for the poor. It will expand that so that more low-income people will get Medicaid and they will have coverage that way. Um, and we know that it, it will also offer a lot of subsidies for people who may uh, between about for an individual somewhere between uh, fourteen thousand dollars 
a year, and I think if they up to like forty thousand dollars a year for families, I think it'll be up to like seventy eight thousand dollars a year. People who make that much money will get subsidies; they'll get help from the government to pay for health care. And this is like the deal, like in Massachusetts, where but if I don't, if I say I am somebody who is then required by law to buy my own insurance, if I don't do it. They, I mean, they don't put me in debtor's prison or something. But they, if I don't do it, do they just like garnish my my income or whatever? Just take it from me? Well, that's something they have to decide. There's different ways of dealing that between the House and the Senate. Right now, the Senate seems to be leaning toward uh, what was passed yesterday, which would be a $750 fine. And then the House fine, I believe, is a percentage of your wages. I've got to look that up. It's, it, but it would be the House fine is right now more significant than the Senate. Yeah, it's 2.5% of your income if you don't uh, buy health insurance. So that's more significant for a lot of, it depends on your income, for, for a lot of folks, middle income, high income folks, um, that the house would be more costly. But they've got to work that out. But yeah, there would definitely be a penalty. Excellent. Uh, just before we wrap this up, so you are you now caught up on Dexter? Are you able to start season four? Oh, yes, I am totally caught up on Dexter. And let me tell you, well, as, as I already told you on the phone, I, I you know, I like Jimmy Smith, but wow, after the West Wing and Dexter season three marathon, or I guess it was season two, yeah, season two, we Season three, God, I'm a mess. Um, yeah, we've had enough of Jimmy Smiths for a while. You're all smitched out. Let me. I will. Yeah, so I'm happy that it's the new season of Dexter and that we're in, and we, we even saw this episode. It's great. Yeah, Lithgow is like off the charts creepy. I mean, he's the, the he he the, he is like you know Nietzsche said when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks into you. Uh, John Lithgow is that abyss. Yeah, right. there's a whole new there's a whole new uh, kind of almost seriously creepy. Where it was kind of campy creepy before. Now it's like seriously creepy it really is all right on that note glad to hear that you are back uh, up and at him and on your feet so uh continue to uh, recover we will speak with you very soon thanks lisa desjardins ladies and gentlemen on the hill uh bringing the game as only she can straight ahead final news check with uh, tim riley at the news desk coming up at 9 a.m smells like the 90s with our good friend uh, buzz in court and fat boy this afternoon three till seven it is the rick emerson radio program we are live from beautiful downtown portland oregon you stay right there this is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. One has a big tattoo on the right side of his face. Both are heavy set morons. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week with another installment of Food Porn. Also, uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and Richard Belzer. That's right. I said it. Richard Belzer. It's 503-228-4101 at the news desk. Let's pay a final visit uh, with your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. What? Good morning, everyone. It is 845. More rain today. Gusty winds to high temperatures about 60. No more soda for all you prison inmates. You're getting it soft anyway, and you're getting obese. The state is pulling soda from the menu to improve your health, because we care. And also to uh, not have to spend $770,000 a year buying soda for prisoners. Well, because all that does is it just rots out their brains and gives them fat asses yes, we have to take care of. A fire has destroyed Vancouver's Dos Margaritas restaurant on Northeast 4th Plain. Took firefighters 40 minutes to bring that under control. Oh my, look what's happening in Bixby, Oklahoma. As a wayward squirrel gets its head caught in a 
peanut butter jar. I just delivered the Tulsa World in this area, and I was throwing a newspaper here at the community center and just happened to come upon him with the jar already on his head about 5.30 this morning. This hungry skunk was just looking for a meal when he got his head caught in a peanut butter jar. Teresa called several places before she found Ned Bruja, the skunk whisperer. She kept the skunk corralled as she waited for Ned. I stopped, and I just stood next to him. Is that Dwight from the office doing the narration there? Didn't spray me or anything, just sweet as can be. All wildlife wants is food, water, and shelter. Peanut butter is irresistible to this skunk. They are opportunistic, and they're going to take advantage of the any bit of food they can get. This guy found peanut butter, and he got himself in a little bit of trouble. I'm going to see if I can help him out here. Ned used a rag soaked in chloroform to mildly sedate the skunk before attempting to pull the jar off his head, hopefully without getting... Is Ned going to force himself sexually on the skunk? People say, I've seen this on America's Funniest Home Videos. I don't want to be on America's Funniest Home Videos. I don't want to get sprayed today. I've never been sprayed, handled yep. tons of skunks, Hold but it I off. don't care to get sprayed. You're all right. Thank you. I was very excited, and I was... Is this the biggest story of the year in wherever this is happening? Where is this at? The skunk just seemed happy to be free once more. Who is this person that's doing the narrating? It's the guy from News Center 6 of Bixby, Oklahoma. That's an anchor person? That's a news person? It's Bixby Action News. It sounds like like a guy who's doing sort of a badly produced YouTube video in his basement. And by the way, I think we're all uh, in agreement on the issue of spraying. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. I forgot how much she sounds sort of like it. What are those, those, you know, car, those things? That's that- why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. And who can forget this classic? We do not pay taxes for y'all to spray our kids in the face. That's ridiculous. I mean, it really is. On that, we can all agree. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's Tim Riley with Wednesday's snuff watch. Singer El Martino has died. You probably don't know who he is. He was 82. He passed away at a childhood home in Philadelphia. Cause of death is yet to be announced. The singer had the distinction of topping the inaugural chart in November 1952, Britain's first music chart with the UK's first ever number one single, Here in My Heart. Now, that's not why most people know Al Martino. Al Martino is one of those guys um, that you, uh, and by you, I mean almost every man everywhere and probably 60% of women have seen this guy and you have probably, Greg, you know how Al Martino is? Anybody? All right. Uh, I would say the vast majority of the, uh, certainly the American male population knows who this guy is. And most women, if only because uh, you have been forced to watch him uh, by a man. Tim, who is Al Martino? El Martino? He sang a song, Daddy's Little Girl. Yes. And where might we have seen his performance? In The Godfather. He is Johnny Fontaine. Johnny Fontaine. From The Godfather. Greg's mic is uh, acting. Sarah, what is up with Greg's uh, mic? There's some... 
Uh, that is uh, technical difficulties on this end. Um, <laughs> Did you have it turned off? It means I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't pot it up. Well, that done. happens to me yes. every so often. Don't feel badly about it. So Johnny Johnny Fontaine is the guy who sings at Connie's wedding, Italia Shire's wedding, and then he comes. He goes, My voice is weak, but if I get this part, it puts me right back on top. And then you know, then, then, you, you can act like a man. You know, that whole scene. That is uh, that's Al Martino. Okay, he's awesome. Yeah, he really is. He's uh, which of course leads Al Martino's character of Johnny Fontaine, who of course is, is supposed based on Frank Sinatra, that then leads to one of the definitive moments because that is where uh, Tom Hagen pays a visit uh, to the studio head and the studio head, you know, won't give him, you know, Johnny Fontaine never gets that part! And he wakes up and there's the horse's head. I mean, he's... So it's weird because he's... You know, again, he's not a guy you, whose name you would ever recognize, but he leads... To, he's such a crucial part in that movie. I mean, he's just a... Is there like a weird clicking sound? Is anybody else hearing that? Right. Well done, Tim Riley. Every now and again, by the way, this morning, I've been hearing these weird bursts of static in my headphones, which I think are just a loose connection. But sure it's not in your head. But that's the thing. Once in a while when I hear it, I begin to think that I've just come untethered mentally. Uh, Not that they're not both possible. This email says, what a weird show. You are doing news about a skunk. I cannot believe you are paid to do this. (laughs) Get in line, sir. It's 503-228-4101. That's your snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. By the way, before we uh, end this, we should say that uh, so I was asking this question about the you know the, the company gave us these uh, how not to get the swine flu things, and I said don't touch your eyes, and I said why can't you touch your eyes? And this guy sends don't an email that touch is those eyes probably clinically accurate, but it's just a phrase you don't really uh, anticipate seeing. He says your eyes are huge mucous membranes, ew, <laughs> i.e. a great place for viruses and bacteria to get into your body, not just conjunctivitis. The conjunctivitis sounds like things. It sounds like something with like something connecting to something else, which I think I'm you know like conjunction junction something. So I'm thinking of things being hooked together somehow. Anyway, so uh, you know blah 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 mucous membrane. It's five oh three. So that's why, in case you were wondering why you ought not be jamming your fingers into your eye, it's There's because like big porous balls. I yes, I was just going to say they're not so much the windows to the soul as they are the windows to uh, to mucus. On that note, it's five oh three two two eight. 4101, 503-228-4101. Make a note of it because we are back tomorrow at 5 a.m. Buzz is up next with Smells Like the 90s and Court and Fatboy this afternoon, 3 till 7. Don't forget, tomorrow we are graced by the presence of Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Um, also Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and the one and only Richard Belzer. As we wrap this up, do not forget that Friday at 9 a.m., the KUFO half-off sale continues. KUFO.com is where you go to get half-off and sometimes more than that on a variety of goods and services, including this week, a family admission pass to the Portland Children's Museum, where your kids use their imagination while having fun in a safe, friendly environment. The Playopolis exhibit is on through the end of the month, followed by the Adventures of Clifford the Big Red Dog later this fall. Friday, you'll be able to go online and purchase your half-off certificate for family fun at the Portland Children's Museum. That is Friday at 9 a.m., but of course, if you are caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101. You'll uh, pick one of those up uh, before you can buy them. You can buy them Friday, 9 a.m. at KUFO.
Radio.com. We're going to make CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum and Lisa Desjardins. Gameplay, uh, Dame Day players, both of them. Mike Thomas, author of Second City. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will join us tomorrow. Ryan White from The Oregonian was here today. And you can read more about him and from him in The Oregonian as well as online at OregonLive.com. Rick Emerson produced a show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sir Rex Dillon. For Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler, the gatekeeper, is Dave Zinn. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. Alpha Broadcasting Marketing Guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. Executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. It is Wednesday, October 14th, 2009. And that is the frequency, Kenneth. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye. How about that? <laughs> that squirrel can water ski. UFO. Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening. <laughs>